general nerdery time. Come on, grab your friends. We'll go on very long nerd rants. Zach and Tyler and also Yui, the fun will never end. It's general nerdery time. Well, I had my own intro that I had kind of written out of the song, but I accidentally used the ending song. And honestly, that was 100% more adorable, so I'm glad we went with that. Mm -hmm. Um, On that note, welcome to General Nerdery. As you heard from our wonderful song, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And with us once again for the fourth time. Well, actually, it's like the sixth or seventh time, but for the fourth time (laughs) of this part. For the fourth time in a row. Yui. How you doing, Yui? Pretty good. Yay. Um, as you might have noticed from this, and because we've been doing Adventure Time for two and a half months now, we will be doing our final Adventure Time episode, Season 10, Part 4. But before that, what have we been ingesting? What have we been... Okay. Mine's pretty easy, uh, although it was kind of funny because it almost wasn't going to be this. Mm-hmm. The other night, I'd finally had enough of it. Everyone's been talking about it. I was kind of hyped on it anyway. I was going to be like, man, I am going to buy Elden Ring. I'm going to jump into it. And a YouTube uh, you know, creator that I follow had put out a new video. So I threw on their new video while I was making dinner. As soon as their video was done, I was going to go like buy and download Elden Ring. Except I didn't make it back to the controller in time. And, <laughs> and a commercial started rolling. Oh, no. And it was for the new Assassin's Creed Valhalla uh DLC and it was like coming out March 10th. I was like, oh cool! I didn't think it was going to be out for another two months. <laughs> Looks like I know what I'm going to be doing instead of playing Elden Ring. So yes, I dropped another like 30 hours into Assassin's Creed in the past five days. Good lord, man. Um, <laughs> four days. <laughs> Good lord, man. I just realized it's only Pi Day, so okay, four days. Um, I have ingested many much pie. And so that's been mostly what I've been ingesting, I guess. And alongside that, because there was lots of bits of it where I didn't need to hear what the game was doing, I started in on Pete Holmes's podcast, You Made It Weird, uh, with comedian Pete Holmes. And it's interesting. It's really good, deep interviews with like his celebrity friends and like comedian friends and TV stars and stuff. I'm not exactly sure what the intended point of the show is supposed to be Mm -hmm. and like where it started but because of like where pete is at currently in his life it ends up talking a lot of like spirituality and stuff but not in ways that like annoy me so that's been kind of interesting fun yeah Yeah. (laughs) um i don't listen to many kind of like a-list celebrity podcasts but it there are some really good ones out there um his one with um, fucking, what's his name? Roy Kent. Uh, uh, Brett Goldstein. Goldstein. Is phenomenal. They have, they have such good chemistry. Like, I, I started by listening to Pete on Brett's podcast, uh, Films to be Buried With. And I was like, oh, yeah, Pete's got a podcast. And I've loved whenever he's shown up on other people's podcasts. Maybe I should check his out. And I ended up listening to, like, I don't know, like eight or ten episodes while nice. I was playing. So I guess I like it. You like it enough that you let it keep going, which is sometimes all I need from a podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, what a... My big one that's not... I'm still reading goddamn Power Rangers. Um, I'm almost through. Almost. I can see the end. Uh, There's a lot of Power Rangers to get through, though. Yeah, I considered watching the TV show, and I watched one clip, and I was like, you know what? Nope, I'm going to keep with the comic. I think I'm good. But... Um, 
Uh, oh, I started Our Flag Means Death. Oh, dope. The, I can't think of that actor's name. Reese Darby. Reese Darby, along with uh, Taika, who I think is mostly just executive producer, but he also plays Blackbeard, and he, play, uh, and he directed the first episode. Well, and it seems that past episode three, like he might be a bigger part of the acting... I have not yet seen him on the show. Like, okay. I haven't gotten to the point where Blackbeard shows up, but it definitely seems like that, especially because he's playing Blackbeard and the gentleman pirate, who's, who is that, uh, Steed? Yeah, uh, Steed Bonnet. Steed Bonnet. They're going to probably treat it much nicer, but he was straight up just kidnapped by Blackbeard for a while. Like, Blackbeard showed up, stole his crew, and was like, well, come hang out with me, I guess. <laughs> um, which I'm actually really into. It's interesting. I somehow expected it to be, like, grittier. Not like, you know, blood and gore and death necessarily, but, like, physically. Oh, yeah. Like, dirtier. It's kind of, like, clean and, like, dainty. And then all the crew members are crass. Yes, but it's still, they have that kind of, like, no one who is sailing a wooden ship in the Caribbean around, like, what, eight, uh, the, the... 19th, uh, 18th century mm-hmm. has a shirt that clean. Right. <laughs> and I mean that of every cast member, which occasionally kind of pulls me out of it. But also I grew up on 90s TV that did not believe in the like 2000s version of we must cover literally everything in dirt for the sake of realism. So it's not a it's not a deal breaker by any means, but it's definitely like, hmm. I don't know, I just huh, I didn't expect that. I believe uh, those are Christian Nair or Christian Christoph Chris. I can't remember his first name. It's Chris something. Uh, Nairn's real tattoos. Uh, Hodor. If you didn't realize that Hodor was the giant guy on the crew, I did not realize it was Hodor until Grizz said something to me. But um, it's very funny. <laughs> Actually, I hadn't seen him in anything else, and I didn't watch much Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I like him better in this, honestly, just because he's. I don't know. There was something about all of them making, like in that first episode where they're all competing to make flags that I just was so good. Like in the cat flag. Oh my God, the cat flag. Oh, you, <laughs> I don't think you've seen any of this yet. Cause have you? No, oh I, my God. it sounds like I need to watch it though. It's, it's really funny. It's dumb, but <laughs> it's actually, it's not as dumb as that makes it sound like it. It's not unintelligent. It's just, Goofy. Yeah. Goofy. Goofy's a good word word for it. It's fun. There's a part of me that's bummed that it wasn't as good as uh, what we do in the shadows right out the gate. But that's, that's also fair. really hard to do. That That is high. Yeah. It does seem to be building every episode, so. I mean, look at how long it took for the show to build to, like, what it is now. Mm-hmm. At least just, like, that show. And then... Think about how long it took for them to just develop that movie in general. Right. Now, and I, I still want an extended cut. Yeah. So bad. Now, I do think that it... Okay, so it's not as good as the movie was right out the gate. It's about on par of where the TV show was right out the gate, I thought. Oh, really? Because I thought the TV show... Well, I thought what we do was about four times better than this right out the gate. Okay, that's... I mean, personal stuff. I I need to watch more of the TV show. I It just didn't grab me, and maybe it's because I watched it so immediately after the movie because we did our movie episode of what we do in the shadows way back when. Mm-hmm. And I immediately after watched the first episode and it just kind of bothered me that they were not 
I felt like they were like trying too hard to be close to the what we do in the shadows movie vampires while not being those vampires. See, it's really um, funny because I actually rewatched the movie two weeks ago, and the entire time I was pissed off that Matt Barry wasn't there. <laughs> is that the psychic vampire? No, no, that's um. <laughs> Although Colin Robinson would be fucking incredible in the movie, but uh, oh my god, <laughs> no, um, I was about to say the bearded one, but no, Laszlo and Andor both have Nadia. Beards. Yeah. Okay. The the non-Persian bearded one. Yes, okay. <laughs> God, now I want... Maybe I'll rewatch... No, I need to start start. There's too many things to watch, my guy. Yes, there are. <laughs> yes, there are. Yui, what about you? What have you been ingesting? I'm assuming murder. For once, no. Well, I mean, still yes, but that's not what I'm going to like recommend today. <laughs> but... I watched uh, Free Guy, which is that hmm. Ryan Reynolds, like, um, kind of, it's that... Video game NPC basic character? Basic average, yeah, he plays, like, the NPC character that is this, actually a really intelligent AI, and it's been, like, you know, secretly worked into this game that is, like, super popular. Apparently, it, like, exists on the same uh, economic world as, like, Metalocalypse, of, like, the entire economy of the world exists on this game for some mm. reason. Uh, but anyway, you know, mentioned this voice. It was so fun. It was enjoyable. It was a nice look at the like average. Every man is inspired to do more because of hot lady trope. <laughs> Isn't um, Taika but, also in that? Yes. Yes, he's the villain. Because Taika is everywhere these days. <laughs> because it's and we're good. better for it. Yeah, I have. I've heard um, nothing but good things about this movie. It was really fun. Like, yeah, there was points where you're like, oh, whatever. And the, I will admit that end point where they just like punch in the whole like, if you didn't get this before, even though the entire story has been alluding to it until right now, we're going to just drive it home really, really hard. And that was a little bit unbearable. That's my only critique of the movie. Mm. But besides that, super fun. Very great. In the year 2022, where anything that is remotely satire is being taken way too seriously in bad ways anymore, I don't really blame creators for having that, like, have you caught on to our greeble yet? Because <laughs> we will make sure you understand this. Okay, I but really I, I want I you to watch with... that movie, and then please tell me that again. Okay, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying you are wrong. I am saying I understand from a creator's aspect of being like, you will get my point because I'm just going to stop and tell you right now. I'm not dealing with this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like we're making it painfully obvious in case you didn't get it. <laughs> and like, I don't, I, I don't want to give spoilers, but like nobody fucks the AI. Ugh. Okay. That's a yeah. really interesting statement out of context. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I mean, after watching... That one Joaquin Phoenix movie where he does. I don't know. It's a valid I never thing to did say actually about watch movies. That. What movie does Joaquin uh, Phoenix fuck the AI? Uh, her? Was that it? Yeah, her. I never saw like, it. it was still like very cool visual movie. Like, And the story was neat. And it's fun to see how media is exploring AI and its uh, relevance to humans and humanity and how we can tell stories with that. But I don't know. It was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Anyway, I get uh, we have a, a 
Trailer. God, I'm I have one more ingesting oh, just because I want to mention it because you bought it for me. Mm. You bought me some Shadow Man for Christmas, and I did just devour it all this weekend. The, so. it, the, <laughs> the specifically Garth the Garth Ennis Acclaim era Shadow Man. Which is my era, Shadow Man. Which is, yes, which is why I bought it for you. And then bought a copy for myself, but which I have not gotten to yet. But um, Look, the Shadow Man stories are fine. They're good. I mean, it's Ennis. Yeah. He's a, you know... He's everything he's writer. good at, he's great at, and yeah. everything he's bad at, he's fucking terrible at. Um, but like the other three, like issues in there were a a run that didn't even get completed. That were just like stories from Dead Side. It's just called Dead Side. They incredible. are bleak. Well, yeah. Oof, they are bleak. That is just the right creator at just the right time with just the right character to make some like. Weird, dark, over-the-top shit. I'd have to look again. I'm not even sure if it was Ennis writing those the Dead Side stories. I do not know off the top. It could have been Tomasi because I think I he think it might have been Tomasi. Tomasi has been is still writing Shadow Man here and there. I actually really like Peter J. Tomasi as a as a writer. So, yeah, it is. It's like three stories, and then I didn't. So there was supposed to be four, but since the fourth was unpublished, they included the script. I haven't read the script yet. I only do about half the time when they include scripts in the backs of comic books. Uh, but those three that were finished and published are like all people just going to this terrible fucking afterlife and having to learn to deal with it. Yeah, the dead side for people who don't read a bunch of Shadow Man is just the land of the dead. And it's it's not Elysium. It's not heaven. It's just... They, they mention the fact that heaven and hell both exist, but you... You only go there if you're lucky. You don't necessarily go there if you're good or bad. You kind of go there if you have connections and if they want you. It, yeah. Otherwise, everyone goes to what's called the Wailing or the Thousands. And it's just everybody who's ever died with nothing to do, just standing in a big line. It's, wailing about the fact they're dead. It's very like ancient Sumerian, Mesopotamian, even some of the Greeks when you're not going to Elysium, but you're going to the other place. Mm-hmm. Old school. When you die, you're just dead. You're still there. There's an afterlife, but ain't it ain't anything that fun for you. There's nothing to do. Uh-huh. Except, like I said, it's called the wailing because most of them just end up going insane and just like... We talked about it in the Noob Island episode that we recorded last week of there was just this thing in the 90s of heaven and hell both exist, but they're not really better than the other. And they just kind of exist to like cherry pick whoever they want of each one. It was a huge thing in comics to do for a while for some reason. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, that was fun to read right before bed. Oh, good. Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) great. Okay, now I'm done. Okay. Uh, we watched Obi-Wan Kenobi, or I guess just Star Wars Obi-Wan, but, uh... Yeah, is that what it's called, Star Wars Obi-Wan? I, I think it's just called Obi-Wan. Because I just keep calling it... Obi-Wan Kenobi, or Kenobi. Yeah, or I'm just like, yeah, the, the Disney Plus Kenobi show. It might be Kenobi, I don't... This is... We're recording this the day after Daylight Savings Time. I have not gotten a good night's sleep in a couple of days, so my brain is fried. So remembering things, oh, it's such a good time to record a podcast for me. Uh, remembering things might not be my strongest suit at this point. But either way, Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, finally reusing Duel of Fates, which they haven't really used since episode one, I don't think. Well, because John Williams is signed on to do the music for Kenobi. 
did they just convince him with the giant money pit or like because Ewan McGregor? Both? I do not care. I'm happy it happened. Like whatever it took to get John Williams to come back. Both? <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I know it's not Ludwig Lawrenson though, who's been doing the others, so. The only one where it bothered me not having John Williams was uh, Rogue One because they were just a little too on the nose of like, I just kept expecting it to burst into John Williams and it shifted in a way that didn't quite work. Oh, shoot. Now, Rogue One, I don't even think was Gorenson. That might have been Michael Giacchino. It was good music. It mm-hmm. just, I kept being like, where, where the fuck is my Star Wars tunes? I don't know. Like this one. I still have yet to go through all of Clone Wars, so I still mostly am going off of my love of Kenobi from A New Hope. <laughs> <laughs> and our love of Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Well, honestly, Ewan McGregor was good as Obi-Wan Kenobi throughout all of the prequels. Yes. They weren't good movies, but he was good. So yeah, I'm like, excited to see him back. Um, it's going to be interesting seeing the Inquisitors live action. I am so wildly uninterested in seeing... The Inquisitor's live action. Uh, I'm interested, but more in a way where I'm like, oh, God, can you make this cool? Well, they couldn't in Rebels, so no, they probably can't. Because um, I might hurl if I see somebody fucking helicopter across the screen. That's what I was going to bring it up. <laughs> the So the Grand Inquisitor from season one of Rebels, who we do see, although not played by what's-his-name? Um, Jason Isaacs, who it should have been. Yes, Jason Isaacs voiced him in Rebels, and he looks enough like him that they should have just done it. It would have been absolutely incredible. Back up the fucking trailer full of cash. You got it, Disney. And I'm not knocking, and I don't know why they didn't do it. And I'm not knocking the actor who's taken on the role. I haven't seen anything other than his face. So he might be great. We'll find out. But after that, they bring in two new ones. One voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar and one other voiced by somebody. Not important who played like second sister and fourth brother or something like that, because all of them have numbered Mm -hmm. titles and they are the team rocket of star Wars, but not like fun (laughs) Giovanni team rocket of star Wars. And they don't have a talking Pokemon. So they're just bad at their jobs. Oh boy. I mean, I'm still excited to watch it. Oh yeah. No. Um, I just, I kept having the thought the entire time of like, man, they're going to have to work real hard to make them significantly more dangerous because Obi-Wan Kenobi would just beat the piss out of those two. I mean, look at all of the crazy leaps their creative teams have had to take just because of some weird offhand thing like the whole uh, Obi-Wan and General Grievous meeting. I was like, you're taller than I expected. And Dave feeling like, how do I fucking make this work? <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how they thread some of those like plot line holes that they have to like intentionally get to. Like, I know some people will probably complain. It's like, oh, it's not as good as whatever we imagined. Yeah, it's not but- as good as my brain told me it was going to be when it literally is impossible because you're, the thing your brain told you was going to be doesn't exist, so the flaws can't be seen. Mm-hmm. He did look a little more like Sir, not Ian McKellen. Who played Obi Wan in the original? Um, uh, Alec Guinness. Alan Guinness. Jeez, Alec. Alec Guinness. How did I not have that one? I've known that name since I was seven. <laughs> but Alec Guinness. He uh, Ewan looks more like Alec Guinness than I expected. But they're still based off how old Luke is in that. 
he's going to age a lot in the next, like, five to ten years of this show. Yeah, probably going to have to put up with a lot of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, in that little Actually, clip that we saw of Luke, we get to see him nail the whip. Now I want to see the nae <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he was pod racing in his brain, not doing the whip in the nene. But um, I'm pretty sure you could convince Mark Hamill to try at least. Yeah, probably. It's probably pretty easy to get Mark Hamill to do most things if you think it would be vaguely entertaining. Right. Other than gifting him lightsabers, he does not accept them. He finally accepted one because I saw a thing because people will be like, we're giving him this gift. And he's like, please stop giving me things. I have Mm -hmm. so many things. But some professional lightsaber company made a lightsaber, but then put in the Joker laugh and Joker colored it. So it was like his two (laughs) big roles and the only version of the Joker that doesn't make me internally angry a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, that was fun. The hard part about trailers like these is it does a really good job of making me interested without telling me too much of the plot. But that kind of makes it hard to talk about sometimes because we have no idea of what the plot is other than Inquisitors are trying to track down Obi-Wan. And I know that uh, they released that the, the delay was rewriting the script because the original version was too bleak. Oh, I heard it was too close to uh, Mandalorian because he was finding a... No, I think that's I think that's what the original uh, rumor was said when it first got delayed. But like ah. just this week, they were talking in interviews like, no, like it got dark. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my one hope, because we do hear Vader at the end of yeah. it. I really desperately hope they never. And I know people want that duel, but. Part of the power and let's admit it, his duel in New Hope is awful. Like, from a sword fighting perspective, it is a terrible sword fight. But there's that line, last time we met, you were the, or uh, I was the pupil, and now I am the master, mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck it is. It is very clear that these those two have not seen each other in 19 goddamn years. And it doesn't necessarily kill the power if he sees them, like, five years in, but I think it's... There is something I very much like of that moment of, like, the last time I saw you, you left me for fucking dead on Mustafar. And then my second master built a castle on that spot and forces me to live there. Because Palpatine's a dick. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what I hope for in this. I just Here's what I hope for. I hope for them giving us a scene to show us why the fucking spinning lightsabers are dumb. No, they're just re- dumb. They're just as I can accept the spinning thing as long as they don't do the helicopter fly thing. That it was the point that I was just <laughs> like, nope, nope, I'm done. But I'm not because Rebels kicks all sorts of ass. But I think like give us a scene that shows us why not everyone has those. Mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm getting. I'll at. get. I'll grant you that. That that makes sense. Kind of like I I loved in that I guess minor spoiler portion of Book of Boba Fett when Din cuts himself with the dark saber. He's like, oh, damn. I'm like, yes, because lightsabers are not easy to use. These are not safe. These are not safe at all. Of course he's going to fucking cut his leg. So, yeah, show us why, like, that is stupid and practical. And I don't know. I, it looks pretty. Like, the, the the big city planet thing looked pretty. I desperately wish it was Narshada, but I just want Narshada. 
if it's not Narshada, I want them to be like, yeah, we're on level 1313. Of course not. Of course. Now, they've named the planet. It's neither one mm-hmm. of those, but it's it should be. Um, I'm kind of excited to see Jedi stuff again, which sort of surprises me, because I was really ready to see Star Wars outside of Jedi stuff for a while. And I mean, Mando's got Grogu and like Jedi stuff comes up. But, but it's definitely not the focus. Yeah, it's not the Skywalker family. It's not the Jedi Order. It's not even when we see bits of them. It is that is very much the side thing as opposed to the main plot point. I'm kind of excited to see Jedi stuff again because I haven't in a while. That's most of what I got. Yeah, I don't think I really have too much mm-hmm. else on it. Like I was I'm happy it's happening. I'm going to watch it, but. All right. I'm more excited whenever we get more Mando. I don't know if I'm more excited, but I'm, you know, just excited. Uh, now that he has a ship that I actually like, I am super excited. God, you just can't get over the razor crest. Um, <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about things we do like, like Adventure Time. So I knew this was going to be the shortest thing that we were doing out of all of this, but uh, I accidentally... Watched it all in one sitting when I really hadn't intended to do that. <laughs> it's really easy to do when there's only 13 episodes. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch a few and then I'll come back later. And then, like, looked up and I'm like, that intro song was different. Oh. Whoops, okay, guess we're doing this. Um, yeah, I actually planned out my watching and did, like, two a night and, like, two in a morning on, like, certain nights and certain mornings to, like give myself some time to process it and shit. And now I kind of wish I wouldn't because I barely remember those first couple episodes. I mean, I do because there's only so many episodes, but comparatively to like watching the finale last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just, <this is> the <laughs> finale takes up a lot of space. It's uh, essentially four episodes long. And when it did air, it did air in like those episode breaks. So when there's those big like cuts, if you watched it all in one, uh, that's when it would have been broken up into those 11-minute blocks. That makes oh, sense. And yeah, so, like, having it air over two separate nights, that was a really big thing. Ooh, that'll, okay, yeah. I, I didn't know they did that. That's I mean. think, if I remember, because, like, the first half came out, and then they waited until, like, another date. And you're right. Am I remembering this correctly? I'm, you would be the one to know, so let's say yes. Oh. Let me look this up really quick. I don't want to <laughs> say incorrect things on the internet. Um, <laughs> don't worry. We're the ones uh, that will hear about it if you do. No, they did all air on the same day. Oh. But there would have been at least in commercial breaks. And that would have been a really big thing, especially since one of those breaks would have been at the like uh, LSP exclaiming that they're all dead. Mm, we'll get to that, that in a minute. That gag makes a lot more sense now that I think about commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it was still funny either way, but it was... <laughs> Before we get there, we start with... Uh, our, do we want to just do episode by episode again? Or, I mean, there's not that many, so we could do it pretty fast. Yeah, uh, and especially since most of the episodes, save for, like, a few of them, have, like overall themes that lead into those the final episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we start with Wild Hunt, which introduces us to the character we were introduced to at the very end of season nine, at the end of Three Buckets, uh, that mysterious pink figure 
we find out is Uncle Gumball. We don't learn his name in this one, though, do we? But we at least learn that he exists. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. And then a little bit more about how he operates. I will say, uh, me and Zach were talking about this just a tiny bit off air. And I know that, like, this... Is this your favorite season? Like, I I love the end episode. I wouldn't say this is my favorite season. Okay. But, I don't know. I I will defend my position that, like, this, this is probably my favorite series finale ever. Nice. Nice. Um, but I was going to say about this, like, not my favorite season either, but one of, like, the opening to this season is some of the only times in the series where I did have to just, like, turn off my TV and stop myself from going further because I didn't, like I said, I planned out how yeah, I yeah. wanted to watch this because I kind of loved how the this whole opening of the season was set up with what kind of occurs to... Finn and Jake and our heroes as almost being monster of the week type episodes, but we're getting to see the overarching plot mm-hmm. and like getting just enough, a little bit more information every episode where you're seeing what's going on. But we're still getting some one-off adventures again, which is nice because we, this is actually kind of one of my favorite types of storytelling instead of purely one-off or purely sequential. You have to catch every episode storytelling, mm-hmm. having episodes be more standalone, but advancing the overall plot at the same time, I think is the best way of doing TV show. And especially with like knowing that this was the last season, at least that we were going to get of this series and the finality that a lot of those, I don't know, episode tropes kind of bring to the series close. Like we have a lot of classic adventures kind of like in the wild hunt. And then we get a fun demo episode and almost always demo closing, which we'll talk about more in a minute. But there's a lot of these episodes in these 13 episodes that like just kind of revisit and readdress all of those major themes and plots that we have grown to love over the run of this show. Well, it is kind of like we have 13 episodes to show everything Adventure Time is not just tie up the plot, but like really kind of trying to do the most pure Adventure Time possible. And I think they do a really good job on that front. I do mm-hmm. think season four might be my favorite season. Although, Tyler, you told me it's seven with stakes. Seven is still mine. That's real high up there, too. Like, It does feel in a lot of ways kind of like like one of you said. I can't remember who. Like kind of going back to that first season, except now our characters are mature. Mm-hmm. Yep. Him not a little baby anymore. And I find him so much less annoying than I found <laughs> season one. Then. Jesus Christ. Now, when he does that weird high-pitched yell or whatever, it's funny to me as opposed to like, Jesus Christ, kid, you have to stop. (laughs) But that brings us to the Wild Hunt, which brings back who might be one of my favorite characters overall at this point now, Huntress Wizard. Huntress Wizard is super tight. And so I was telling you, Yui, I was like, man, Huntress Wizard is my favorite of like the quote-unquote Finn girls. And then I literally looked over at my wife and I went, right, yep, that's why. That's <laughs> Turns out I like the mysterious archer girl that wants to live out in the wilderness. Who knew? What? <laughs> I also love, I love Huntress Wizard since she, well, I guess not since she first showed up because I realized she's in later a lot of that background she, Yeah, she's at background a lot earlier than I realized. But, yeah, she's been around for a while. 
with how often she shows up this season, she's not a big part in any of the episodes Mm-mm. other than this one, but she shows up in a number of the episodes this season, and it kind of made me wish that they would have given her, like, a proper arc like some of the other, other characters got. Mm-hmm. Like, or, like, a proper, at least, like, really, really in-depth episode rather than one where she is, or a couple where she is very much splitting her growth with Finn's. Mm-hmm. That's fair. No, I do wish they'd introduced Huntress Wizard as, like, a more regular character a few seasons earlier. But, I don't know. That said, one of my favorite gags of possibly this entire series, now that I've seen all of it, is Jake being so excited for Finn and Huntress Wizard to, like, get together, and they're like, two people this radical can't be together. It's just not acceptable. And him being, that's dumb. This is dumb. Everything that's happening is terrible. Uh, I don't know why that just tickles me so probably because I love someone making fun of teenagers, but in like the over the top teenager attitudes without being mean to teenagers at the same time. She's voiced by, uh, well, Huntress wizard. I was going to say the other cool thing is every time she's shown up, she has three different voice actors over the course of the series and they're all awesome. Okay, the only one I know is, like, the last one, and that's the terrible daughter from Parks and Rec. Right. Yeah, Jenny Slate voices her from Flute Spell on. Uh, but before that was, uh, when she shows up in Reign of the Gunters, it's Maria Bamford. I don't know who that is. Uh, comedian. Oh, she's great. great. Awesome. Um, I would and, probably recognize, like, if I heard her making jokes. And any time, basically, that she speaks before that, it's Olivia Olson, who's Marceline. Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay. Yeah, that tracks. I mean, especially early on, they were, uh, if they didn't have, like, you know, a special guest actor, they would just recycle their own actors. Like, Jeremy Shada voices a lot of background characters. You can easily recognize any of the background characters that, like, John DiMaggio voices. <laughs> Johnny yeah. D's got, like, 15 voices, but or they're like, all very much Johnny D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, even the ones that, like, uh, Tom Kenny does, like, it's like, oh, yeah, that that's him. <laughs> Like, you can even kind of hear Spongebob just a little bit sometimes. Like, not fully, probably just for legal reasons, but, like, it's there. Yeah. It is one of those things that I appreciate, that I like about voice actors that makes it fun to be like, hey, I know that one. Mm-hmm. I know that it's voice. This one makes them recognizable and iconic. I do enjoy here, we've seen Finn, like, you know, I gotta be good, I gotta help people. But this is the strongest we've ever seen him be in the, like, maybe I shouldn't hurt anybody. I mean, this is the first time that Finn has really stopped actively repressing everything that happens to him. And he's been active, like, working to empty that vault. And we've seen him, like, go through the motions to do that. And, like, all of the dream metaphors and how that's happened. And so he's actively confronting that trauma of, like, killing off this other version of him, literally. Oh, God, yeah. And, that, is, that is real messed up. Like, outside of the metaphorical, like, implications that they're trying to, like, get to us. Like, Finn just murdered his own self <laughs> accidentally. Like, when he was trying to be diplomatic and he's afraid to make any sort of decision because he feels like everything could be wrong because look how badly it went when he's trying to do good. Mm-hmm. And, and it turns out yeah. you can't be the same person after you kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Who'd have thunk it? 
Well, it's also interesting no. because he does basically end up doing the same thing he always would have done. Mm-hmm. But now he is self-introspective about, it. about yeah. it. He's thinking about it. He's making the choices for very specific reasons to like actually help people rather than just it's this is what you do as an adventure. Yeah. You go fucking kill things. This is a very different Finn than the Finn who, and I still actually really love that he did this, uh, after his breakup, go play on the adventure train for like four weeks. Dungeon train. Dungeon train. That's what it was. <laughs> Dungeon train was awesome. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still, I want to go on the fucking dungeon totally train. totally spent time on the dungeon train. Just because I love farming. <laughs> I can farm all the fucking loot. Yeah, you are the person that spends 80 hours on a video game. Bro, I am going to 100% Dawn of Ragnarok. Like, <laughs> I have already cleared two-thirds of the map, so... I really wish you owned a Switch so you could play Breath of the Wild. That is a game built for this kind of behavior. It will come one of these days, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> but on this one, um, honestly, the Grumbo is forgettable to the point that I cannot tell you what he looks like. But I mean, he was a banana sloth. That oh, was yes. Okay. That's right. Also, I love the in joke of like how the Grumbo actually had a different name, but Gumball was like, actually, the Grumbo is better. So, <laughs> yeah. Here we go. <laughs> That's better. I'm going to go with it. Yeah. Uh, Grumbo is fine. Now that you reminded me, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a really good, mm-hmm. that was a good design. But Grumbo is utterly unimportant to this plot beyond they needed oh, a yeah, threat that Finn was going to have trouble with. Yep. And, like, I can see how they wanted to, like, you know, introduce it, like, oh, we could see an entire season of, like, you know, Monster of the Week, but, you know, we got places to go, shit to get to, things to conclude, so we're not going to do that. And that's why we get to, like, go directly from the Wild Hunt to always Bemo closing. And as far as, like, Bemo-centric episodes go, it's uh, it's good, but like oh, I like it's others a lot better. It's my least favorite of them, and it's at least partially my growing disgust with uh, the always be closing mentality and the like. I have to make a sale, capitalism, yay! <laughs> I, uh, it's also one of my least favorite BMO episodes, but it has one of my favorite single jokes from a BMO episode, which is what, BMO selling the fucking mallets <laughs> to bust ceramics. That's pretty good. <laughs> That had me roll. I was just like, oh, of course. Now that you have these fucking baby teeth attacking. It's just like, by the way, how about you buy these? I have a solution. <laughs> I don't know. Him having Finn's teeth was pretty good. And then being like, you did what? what? Why, do you have my, why do you have Finn's teeth? And uh, I love that because it introduces the fact that, like, you know, besides that we've seen Bimo collecting weird things and doing weird things constantly... Um, it just sets us up for what we get to see in the end, but we have a few more things to talk about before we get there. But it's a nice little thing that they, you know, directly allude to pretty recently. But this entire show is built off of just in references from itself to get us to where we are right now. And a lot of, yeah, like even though I keep mentioning it, this whole season just brings back all of those threads and, and just ties them up really nicely. I have one critique of this episode, and it's not an important critique, so I should say that while going in. Mm -hmm. It was a giant missed opportunity to not have all of the baby teeth in unison doing the buff baby dance. I thought for sure that he was going to at least distract them with that. And I desperately needed the buff baby dance in this because 
it's the like possibly my favorite non sequitur of this series of anytime you see <laughs> baby Finn, he's doing the buff baby dance. I know that was like one of the biggest criticisms of that, like just including Baby Finn without also including the song. Like, what the fuck? Including multiple Baby Finns. I mean, come on. Um, We're just missing out on, or I heard this one uh, theory of like introducing all the baby teeth as like when Finn lost them so we could see Finn throughout his life in like stages we've never seen him at before mm. oh see that has that like deep and character growth moments i just wanted the fucking buff baby dance and maybe a <laughs> moment of like finn looking really uncomfortable at like 30 people doing that to him or really happily joining or him. really yeah oh that's so much better even just finn pay attention <laughs> sorry um, ice king at this point <laughs> has straight up become i'm not a villain anymore mm-hmm. which oh, yeah, i kind no, of appreciate just, i love that they reference uh like Zemo and Ice King hanging out back in um, all the little people episode, like the one where Finn plays the Sims essentially. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. have that one joke of like, Oh, look who's hanging out. Finn or Zemo uh, and the Ice King. Who would have guessed? <laughs> and then they actually have that in the show. And they just like, become buddies. Yeah. And like seeing those sort of little writing jokes becoming in world, like actual occurrences. It's neat. It's fun. I have figured out what it is. I just figured out what it is about this episode that bothered me that then not just like mm, capitalism, although mm, capitalism for the most part. Mm-hmm. I had a job for like a week as a mag- cold call magazine salesman back Ooh. when I was like 21 because I was just fucking yeah. desperate for work. How'd that go? Oh, it was one of the worst experiences of my life. I had to listen yeah. to... Uh, um, a, a song from They Might Be Giants album Flood about a nightlight every time that's like really happy before and after every shift just to like get out of bed. But the only sale I ever made, so also I was terrible at this job, but the only sale I ever made was to an old lady that was just so happy to be talking to someone and she got trapped in a fucking three-year, you-can't-break-it, super expensive Mm. magazine deal of like six magazines going your way. You're paying like 200 bucks a month and there's not an out. And I have never felt so bad about myself as I did when I made that sale. So just the bit where they go to tree trunks and sell (laughs) her a fucking stick for all of the money she owns or all the money she has. (laughs) Oh, just viscerally bothered me. Um, Even though Go ahead, take all my we, money we for later, this fucking stick. But yeah, we later get to see why we, that just seems to be on point for tree trunks in a few episodes. Yeah, but, you know, no, I just, that is a hundred percent just associations of my brain that I didn't put together <laughs> until about thirty seconds ago. I'm like, oh, okay, I get you now. So it's not quite the same thing, but kind of like how. We were saying this this whole season weirdly mirrors some of the first things that they were doing. Mm-hmm. In that first season, we'd break up, not, not bring up the fact that some of the earlier episodes were kind of like teach you moments, but then they're teaching you the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Once again, not quite the same, but I felt like this had a little bit of that same energy when you get to the end of the episode. And Gumball is just like, yeah, that was a bad idea. <laughs> Why did I use baby teeth? Of course, they're going to be babies. Who would have thought that would work? 
Well, it does have a very mocking old school cartoons where it's like, why did you possibly think that was going to work, Cobra Commander? Like, <laughs> uh, and then like mostly like it seems like the larger point of that episode was mostly just to get them in possession of that goblet that we'll mm-hmm. see after Son of Rapier. That's fair. What is your guys' like, favorite BMO episode? Oh. It might be BMO Detective one for me if I'm not counting the one where he, like, battles BMO Noir Amo. is pretty great. Oof. Um, Although Bubble I with mean, LeVar Burton is soups cute. BMO Lost is really good, too. And LeVar Burton, who I will follow anywhere. I really like Angel Face, I'm not going to lie. Which that's one is Angel Face? Just because that's the one where BMO is a cowboy. Oh, and he, mm, uh, that's, yeah, Bimo mm. makes special sentient sandwiches for Jake to turn into a horse. This might, this might be the worst Bimo episode. And that's not a bad thing because it's not a bad episode still, but. Like as far as Bimo episodes go, yeah, it could have been better. I, and and it would have been nice to have a better final adventure for Bimo. But I just, uh, no, we do get a, bit, a better final BMO adventure. Yeah, we absolutely do. And I just, it just really is, my point is the quality of the BMO episodes when you look over and go, oh, Jesus, if this is the bad one, then he's doing great. real well yeah. for himself. Like, <laughs> and they're all great. Um, God, mine might be imaginary like, resources my favorite from character. islands. The islands one is real fun where he's in the VR. Mm-hmm. And we That's get to where see BMO the- becomes a VR god. What is that? There is a... Oh, God. I've only seen it through the McElroy Monster Island... Not Monster Island. Monster Factory episodes. But there is a VR game where there's literally no point to it other than basically that... Or not... not yeah. Uh, there's no point to it other than, like, that thing from that episode of... I'm, I cannot finish this sentence. <laughs> but, yeah, you just wander around and you throw parties and you can, mm. like go on slides and stuff. There's no plot. There's no anything. And it's pretty much just that video game, except without a VR headset and without, you know, accidentally conquering a large swath of humanity. Right. <laughs> the son of Rat Bear. You get to see the flame princess being a rap legend and also finally ditching her dad. I do like calling out her dad. I do like that we got a little moment of Keith David. I have to rewatch this episode because I just read that one of the gingerbread men in that episode is voiced by Open Mike Eagle, and I got to see if I can catch that because I love me some Open Mike Eagle. So, oh, that would have been in the Candy Kingdom when they go to check out Rat Bear at first, mm-hmm. and he tries to wrap off their legs, and he explodes that guy. Mm-hmm. We've seen Rat Bear before, yes. Yeah, yeah uh, in. A few episodes. Uh, I was a, no, it wasn't the one who was originally voiced by uh, Andy Samberg. Um, no, that was Party Bear. Yeah, that was Party Pat. Yeah. Um, but Rat Bear was in that episode and in a few other episodes, especially like anytime a rap battle happens, Rat, rap Bear is at least okay. going to be yeah, at least be in the background. I knew I had seen him. He just didn't wasn't popping out to me mm-hmm. and it was just nice to get a nice plain princess centric episode to tie up like her growth 
And a purely non-romantic one with her with Finn is what I liked. Yeah. I mean, I talked about, I think, last week that how much I enjoyed as someone with friends of exes. But getting to actually see that, but not having that be the point of the episode of like, yeah, we can be friends now, but just actually having them hang out mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. We're just, friends now. Yeah, That's it's just it. so refreshing. Mm-hmm. I found this episode to be a little disappointing just because of how much... I have, in general, enjoyed the music from this series, and then I didn't give a shit about any of the raps. None of the raps were that good. Didn't didn't care a single bit about any single one of them. I mean, especially since this is one of the few episodes that isn't leading into the end plot right now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's easy to forget about this episode, and it's easy to, like, not remember it. And to be fair, I don't remember much of it either. Mostly just because I'm thinking about other bigger plot lines, but it's it's a nice closing up of those smaller plot lines that Adventure Time is very famous for. Like mm-hmm. there's a nice synthesis to other things that maybe don't have to deal with the biggest thing right now, and it's nice to remember that I, and see a show do that. I did like that the previous time we saw Flame King. We had Flame Princess have that, like, okay, I'm going to give him that place to grow. I'm going to let him, like, yeah, he was a shitty dad, but he didn't have to be in, he doesn't have to be in prison. Like, he can have a better life than just living in this jar. But then we have this one where she, you know, tells him off and gets him out of life. And I thought that I I kind of like that there, this show allows for an in-between of, just because you don't belong in a glass jar trapped for the rest of your life does not mean that you deserve to have me in your life and have me forgive you for your being a garbage person. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I love this show for its garbage parent representation. Like, I don't know, just the entire section of it, because that includes both like the severely negative that we see in like Martin and Flame King, but also the very positive. And I would argue that includes like uh, the dog parents, um, oh, the dog parents Margaret are bad and at their jobs. <laughs> yeah. Like even though Finn and Jake think of Joshua and Margaret as like the gods of like parents, they were always good, wonderful in their eyes. We've seen that like, no, they weren't, especially when it <laughs> really comes to like Jermaine. <laughs> no, like they've made mistakes, even if like some of their children think that they were very loving, very caring. Like, that doesn't mean that they were. And we see that some of their children actually didn't experience, uh, like, to the extent that Finn and Jake do, that same experience of those parents. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's neat for that reason, I think. I do like, and this is also going to go with Finn's mom, of showing them making mistakes and showing them, you know, doing bad things, but still having them very much love their children and in bizarre ways they are trying. Mm -hmm. Because I think that is a thing that we don't always talk about with parents of the ways parents can fuck you up without doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. There is, you know, shitty runaway dad like Martin or directly abusive dad like Flame King, but there is also the mom who just is, uh, you know, the helicopter parent from hell or them who 
loved their kids, but the stuff that they were like telling their kids to do, everyone else was like, no, why would you do that? What's, <laughs> what were you thinking? Well, that entire baby manual that Margaret wrote, like, what the heck? But to be fair, she was also raising not only her own pup, but a crazy alien child that she didn't know what was going to do. So just be prepared for anything. That's, you know, understanding that context helps reframe a lot of things. So, yeah, seeing the unraveling of context build throughout the show is also a fun aspect of like this season to see where it has unraveled too. And uh, even though we've seen Sing go through a lot of growth personally, like in the end, even though it changed who he is, it's not, you know, what he has to deal with in the end. Bonnebel bubblegum. More Bonnebel backstory. It's so good. What I like about PB's, backstory is it doesn't necessarily forgive the way she treated her gumball servants at the beginning of the series where she is like kind of a directly cruel tyrant while not trying to be, Mm -hmm. but it does place context on it. Like, you know, she was attacked by, I don't remember who all they, uh, crunchy and the other I, I don't remember the names of the other two ones there that they was, transformed into. Uh, Chikwe, Lolly, and Uncle Cumball. Yeah, but I mean, like, who Maybe. they turn into, because one uh, turns into Crunchy, but the other two is, like... Crunchy, the, then there is... Um, Punchbowl? Yeah. One I is don't a Punchbowl, at least, so... That would be the one that Uncle Gumball turns into, and then Lolly turns into um, Manfred the uh, Pinata... Mm-hmm. Manfred the Pinata is the cousin. Mom is aunt is Punchbowl and uh, Gumball Wait, is Crunchy, what? isn't it? No, no. Uncle's Punchbowl. Oh, I have yeah, Uncle's Punchbowl. Chicle is Crunchy for sure, and that means that Chicle has attempted to try and take over the Candy Kingdom since becoming like you know a dum dum. <laughs> that does creator, add so much. Which I thought com- that was so hilarious last week when you were guys were like, I want a mini series about Crunchy, and I'm like, oh, Jesse, wait. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I still want the mini series. Thank you. Uh, I still want the mini series <laughs> of Crunchy as the princess, Princess Crunchy, mm-hmm. Princess Crunch. I would watch. I think I could handle five episodes total about it, which is just perfect for the miniseries lengths. <laughs> and I still want that with the added context of Chicle. Chicle. <laughs> who's fucking sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they're all terrible, oh, but he's just just a garbage Ugh. being. There's a reason why he is this day is crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was neat to see more context of like what she did in between like separating from the mother gum and having to do what she had to do to raise Nettie because she was all alone. Mm-hmm. And then just dealing with that loneliness by trying to create, you know, a family, but also not knowing what a family really is beyond just being connected to everyone. And she just doesn't know how to deal with like that separation of self. So I don't know. Seeing the ways that she incorrectly deals with that. This is before she was hanging out with Marcy, right? Yes. Like, they would not have met at this point. Okay. Or 
Like it's. Mm. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, because this would have been after the the mushroom war, and it probably would have been in sometime in those four thousand years. So Marceline was probably doing something, and maybe when she was like hunting vampires or mm-hmm. at any of the point after that, we don't know what Marceline did. Right. But and- at some point after, I think this view of her past she would have met Marceline eventually I do like that the entire system of government even beyond the gumball kingdom but into the entire land of Ooh, is 100% based off of this little girl was pissed off so she made them call her princess <laughs> because the princess becomes the absolute like term of authority for anybody mm-hmm. and it's as far as we know just here where it starts call me princess Okay. Okay. And like some slime person being like, that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, true. if Bonneville was like the first princess, like it probably just arose throughout other kingdoms. It's like, oh, well, that's just how you have a kingdom. That's how it and works. you build it under your princess, you know? That's neat to see the, well, I'm, I'm sure that Bon, like Princess Buzzlegum is tired of dealing with all the political shenanigans. Like, in the whole Princess Day episode where all of the kingdoms uh, come together and, like, discuss all of their bureaucratic issues. Mm-hmm. And they talk about, like, unregistered kingdoms and how they're out of control. So maybe there's a formal process and paperwork you have to put through. 17, which is episode 5, which is confusing. And finally, a 17-year-old man. <laughs> 17 mostly just reminded me of how annoyed I am that the Green Knight did not get a single Academy Award nod. That's fair. Aww. I saw someone give a bad review of the Green Knight, and I'm like, you're literally the only person I ever saw this from. But, uh, <laughs> I've seen that. I haven't either. I, I really need to. I The Green Knight is one of my favorite Arthurian legends, so just them playing with that, I really enjoyed. I mean, it was very obvious that that was Fern. Mm-hmm. There was never any, like, big Fern reveal. It was good for Finn to have that moment, but I don't know. Part of me would have liked it if it could have been more of a surprise. Yeah, it might have been nicer had it not been like, okay, even though the voice is different, like, it's what? pretty obvious. What up, Fern? <laughs> I, I did have a moment where he's like, am I an axe guy? I'm like, well, historically, you probably should have been, because axes win <laughs> almost every fight versus a sword. Swords are just cool, which I understand, Finn. Swords are cool. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I've been watching fucking Fortune Fire again, so clearly I'm on Team Swords, but <laughs> a battle axe is fucking sweet. I thought this was a, a fun episode, but I think kind of like you, I was just like, oh, sweet. It's Green Knight. They're playing with Green Knight. That just, that alone makes me happy. I so. know what's going to happen now. Yeah. I feel like it was mostly just to, like, re-humble Finn mm-hmm. and now like, hey, remember, you still have other issues and you can't always win. And I know a lot of people were like, why didn't Gumball just, like, try and kill Finn right there or whatever but I know they have to like continue the plot whatever Um, well and they also had there could have been a lot more conflict Mm -hmm. happening they had to bring Fern to the forefront again which is kind of what this point of this episode is well you have to bring Mm -hmm. Fern back because as much as it has started to spurn or, or to spur extra introspection in Finn he didn't kill 
that other version of himself on purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's it means more if he deals with that part of himself better. Yeah. And like deliberately rather than, uh-oh. It's kind of that <laughs> accident, blah, 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 that accidental exposure to trauma versus dealing with the trauma. And that trauma's got to resurface before you can, before you can. Well, and it's a mm-hmm. little bit like what happened with uh, Marcy and Stakes. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get rid of her vampire powers. By the end, she has all of her vampire powers back. But now it's after this extra journey where she's reaccepted these parts of herself. I know it's bad, but God, the leaf sword is like one of my favorite things in this show. Just as a right. as a concept, it's so cool. <laughs> The leaf blade. The grass blade, blade thank is you. So grass cool. blade. Whatever. Yeah, grass blade. Because <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I just love how it's introduced. It's like, that's not how you're supposed to react to an eternal curse. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my criticism of that one is just it could have been a lot more action packed. There could have been a lot more conflict between the two opposing forces. And there could have been like, I don't know, anybody outside of that force field could have been doing something. But they were just like, let's just stand here. That does fit into a lot of like old school Arthurian legend, though, in its own way still of if you are not the person that this legend is about, you're probably hanging out in the back. Or if you're Lancelot fucking Guinevere. Yeah. (laughs) You know, one or the other. It's why some of the King Arthur stories are so wild, because King Arthur is like, this story is not about me. So I guess I just have to hang out in the back and drink the whole time and make an ass of myself. (laughs) It's about right. Oh my god. After 17 is so Bring good. Bring of fire! Bring of fire. <laughs> you were watching this when we came in, or I came in. I fucking loved this episode. It's so good. It is like, as far as Tree Trunks episodes go, I love that they went with like this as a send-off for her. It's so good. Why not give her a crazy storied past? Like, I... we already know that she's had three husbands. And whatever, when she got married to Mr. Pig. I had, ah. uh, I, I knew something of this episode was coming up because multiple people, anytime I said I was watching this and like, oh, something about tree trunks, they were like, oh, have you gotten to the episode, like the tree trunk episode about all her ex-husbands? <laughs> uh, so I think people just forget that this is as late in the series as it is. Oh, like, so I watched this wild. video of, like, a deep dive of, like, Tree Trunks' character and this episode, and then they compare, like, her first appearance in the show and how, like, naive and, like, oh, I could never, like, go on an adventure. I'm too weak for that. She's and, like, straight on knowing that she was first just, appearance. She was just bullshitting them the entire time. That is so <laughs> hilarious. I just, oh my god, it had me rolling when you get to the end of the episode, and the implication is that Wyatt was following him that entire time. For, like, decades. <laughs> and then having Danny walk in at the end? Oh, shit. I lost it. It's so good. Like, what the fuck's going on here? Tree trunks? <laughs> what? Uh, my favorite gag of this one is where she decides to become a free spirit, throws off all her clothes, and yells, I'll never wear, wear clothes, clothes again. again. You're like, huh, okay. This that makes things really, really awkward. Yeah, the fact, the fact that she's a nudist really does change everything. <laughs> like, 
that's why I love this show so much is because like you can go back and rewatch the show now with all of this context that you'll get to see like and that you know about and then catch on to it way earlier you get to like find more bits that you never knew about before which in reference to Ring of Fire um, Mr. Fadui is apparently this is like in the show this is one of his first appearances but it's in terms of like also including like any um, like character artwork and uh, promotional material from like any of the storyboard artists and things like that, this is not his first appearance. Mm. Um, because there was a couple images of Martin as like a promo art for one of the Martin episodes where he's like taken aboard this boat, which. Uh, Mr. Fiduti is on and at that point we hadn't seen him or like anything so just having him appear again was kind of a neat in-world re-referencing and it gives uh, it gives that potential for bigger wider stories and implications in this world that are never addressed or ever even referenced in the show so like there's an entire subtext and world and stories that we've never tapped into in Ooh. This isn't really a critique of this episode, but something I wasn't expecting to say, but kind of do. We didn't really get a Sweet Pea finale to this. I mean, we see Sweet Pea years, years later in the finale. That's my favorite single fucking image from the finale. Yes, and we will get there. But I would have, I think I would have liked a a Sweet Sweet Pea moment, a Sweet Pea something in between from when we last saw Sweet Pea to Sweet Pea in the finale. Mm-hmm. I uh, agree with that. It would have been nice to see Sweet Pea after he's been like, no, I can defeat the evil that is inherent within me and continue living my life, living my best life. It's beautiful, precious, sweet baby Sweet Pea. <laughs> oh, on this episode, I do like that it seems to take direct pot shots at the, like, lifetime original movie format of powerful woman meets, like, sad average dude and gives up her life for him and then everything is better and they're in love now in a small town. Mm-hmm. Uh, by having her be like, this actually sucks. Yeah, why? <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> Also, I you apparently have jo- you've drained some- my jaw to <laughs> Did any of you notice that apparently uh, Tree Trunks has a fake eye? Yeah. <laughs> I apparently missed I that. Like, this. For, it's when she becomes the shipping magnate after being pirate. She like right at the beginning. It's in the reflection. She pops in an eyeball and then turns around. I uh, definitely yeah. did not catch that. What I the caught hell? that. It was wild. <laughs> <laughs> like, Tree Trunks is so wild. What the fuck? I don't think Tree Trunks is my favorite character. I do appreciate that I like her more at the end of every single episode that she's in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think she might have popped out her eye to be a pirate. Oh, God. I mean, that makes... That's a very tree trunks <laughs> move. End of very adventure. And the time fact move. that we never get to learn why she lost the eye. Like that she was not important have... information. She had an eye patch on as a pirate, didn't she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be a very tree trunks thing to be like, I'm a pirate, guess it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean when the tree trunks does something, she goes 
full in. Like when she became a ghost investigator or like when she was rallying several militia forces. I don't know. Or when she had alien babies. Life of tree trunks is amazing. Mr. Pig is kind of pathetic, but that's okay. At least they're happy together. Yeah, he's not pathetic like the other, like the walrus man was. Oh, yeah, Wyatt's terrible. <laughs> yeah, Wyatt's so bad. Transferring one from one terrible dude to another, but getting us that sweet, sweet peppermint butler, we have Marcy and Hudson. Oh, man, watching them create the demon sword, which I just, like, noticed that kind of referencing uh, Endgame Sweet Pea, he has that sword. Yeah, he end. has the Nightblade. That was part yeah. of what made me happy about it. Night, the yeah. Nightblade is, I mean, it's probably my third favorite sword, but it is a super cool fucking sword. Yeah, it's my first mm-hmm. favorite. It's your favorite? Guess who can't turn down an occult sword? <laughs> really? <laughs> I think for me it goes grass blade, fin sword, Nightblade. But Nightblade's so cool. Okay, I don't even know anymore. Um, <laughs> and it's even cooler that it was basically made by Pep Butt. One of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Pet Butt's definitely grown on me. And I think really the moment where I went, okay, I, I get why you like Pet Butt so much, is when he's desperately trying to get the Vampire King's autograph. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just screaming in his mind. And then, like, they have the psychic conversation. <laughs> just, like, freaking out. I love it. Oh, man. Uh, here we get more shitty dad situation. Mm-hmm. We get the kind of tying up of the Marceline and Hunton story and seeing her like come to peace with like, yeah, my dad sucks, but I can see that he is actually trying kind of going back to like what you were saying mm-hmm. that, yeah, he's done a lot of really, really shitty things in the past. Like uh, that um, no. flashback sequence of right after Marceline built her shelter after Simon has left her and like yeah that's great I think I've done well and then fucking Hudson comes in and just fucks shit up and like leaves the axe and is like cool no, he is I'm a so more... glad that another another father figure has come into my life and fucked shit up again Woo! Now, he is a little more directly terrible than what I was talking about but he is, yeah. uh, there, it is the full scale of ways parents can fuck you up from like, I hate you to accidental terribleness mm-hmm. to Through whatever the hell Hunson is. Him being so oblivious and self-centered that he doesn't realize all of the chaos he constantly causes around him, even when he's directly causing chaos. Because he's also the king of the nightosphere. I do love that the king of the nightosphere looks like a middle management guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I appreciate that as well. Um, I love the. That makes me wonder. The exchange is: is Marcy still half vampire? Well, yes, but no. Then yes again. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the fastest way to explain stakes in a go. I love how they handle that series of jokes, like asking all the questions and then gives all the answers in sequence. (laughs) Maybe? Yeah, maybe? Uh, We do get more Marceline singing, which is a treat every single time that we get it. Mm -hmm. I was also mad that she was not allowed to finish her song. (laughs) I'm just kind of like, this was a really good episode. I actually had a really weird experience with this episode because I was not liking it halfway through. And then I realized I was hangry and I restarted it after I ate some. 
why am I a bitch about that? Oh, oh man, I do that all the time. And so I was like, oh, okay, no, this is a good episode. But I was just looking at some of the fucking trivia on this episode, and it's kind of blowing me away. Yeah? Uh, this is the first time Hunsen's appeared since season four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since he tricked her into taking over the Nidosphere. It seems wild that it was that long ago, and he was that fresh in my memory still. Well, we've watched it on a very compressed timeline. I'm just, imagine how... But so many other things have faded. That's, that's into, very true. Like the fucking Grumble had faded. and mm-hmm. No idea what he looked like. But as soon as Hunson had popped up, I was like, fucking Hunson Abadir, this <laughs> motherfucker. This asshole again. But also, like, in this trivia set, man, it, just the fucking continuity of this show. Fucking vampires can't hurt ghosts, stupid. Marcy explained <laughs> that back in, like, season two. That it's a rock, yep. paper, scissors sort of thing. What is it? It's uh, vampires can't hurt ghosts. Ghosts can't hurt. Is it just people? I don't remember. And then people can't hurt. Van- I'd have to rewatch that episode. It's been so long. Mostly, I just want more Marcel. I would just take a Marceline solo series, to be 100% honest with you, as much as I love Thin and Jake. I know one of the Distant Lands episodes is just uh, Marceline and Princess Bubblegum centric. That should be fun. So, sweet. That's dope. I'm looking forward to watching those. I haven't decided if I'm going to wait till we get to those episodes someday, or if I'm just going to watch I... it and experience Adventure Zone just, like, without requirement for the first time. <laughs> without requirement. Like, I, to be quite honest, I have not watched any of those episodes. Which only surprises like... me because they opened with a BMO episode, but... I know, like, I don't know, like, I feel really conflicted on them, like, continuing the story. I know a lot of people have really enjoyed them, but I felt like this was a really great close to this series. And even though I know I'll probably watch them eventually, I don't know. I haven't watched any of them. I will say that. But I know they exist. Yeah, I super get what you mean of like, this was so perfect. Even if the sequel's good, God, I just don't want to quite lose that moment. Right? Uh, but anyway, back to the show, because we go from one set of like weird parent interactions to another. The first investigation. Jesus. I had just <laughs> like the day before listened to uh, a Haunted House podcast episode about... The Borley Rectory is what it was, which is major poltergeist activity in Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was very timely to watch the poltergeist episode here. I do like that they're still calling into like, oh, oh, even final episode. We have like six episodes left, but let's do a random, completely different genre for a little while while still advancing parts of the plots. Because mm-hmm. I know like in the end it sets up for like a... The honestly, the next three episodes, like mm-hmm. the end of the first investigation, leads into Bananas, which directly leads into Temple of Mars and Jake the Star Child. So we can, or it's kind of those kind two of are talk, kind of concurrent. Yeah, yeah, we can kind of talk about all of those episodes in a block since they all sort of blend together, at least story wise. Which works because it's cause like we've... its own mini series about like you know events that occur for like for Jake and for Finn mm-hmm. but without being its own miniseries 
Which kind of works, because uh, I don't actually have too much to say about this episode, because we've already talked about the parents, which is the only thing that really stuck out to me. So I I, like, I normally don't I like, like ghosts. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this on a different podcast me, with yes. you before. This this style of ghost is one of the ones that I can kind of dig on. I like the idea of ghosts as time slips. Oh, there's a great Doctor Who episode about it. Um, and actually, like... <laughs> Uh, just just like a month ago, I finally watched the the horror movie Lake Mungo for the first time. I guess it was a month and a half now, and that kind of plays with that same idea. There's mm-hmm. some of the that's a minor spoiler if you ever want to watch Lake Mungo, but some of the ghostly activity <laughs> can't be explained by mere time slips, but some of it, like one hundred percent, is. And so I was already kind of keyed up for it, too. And so when that started happening, I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, Mungo me! It's time for some <laughs> ghost time." <laughs> <laughs> I like that they were talking to their parents before they became parents. So, like, not only did did Jake or uh, Joshua and Margaret not understand what was occurring, and just like, oh, it's ghosts, ghosts, and that's what essentially started them off on their career path before they became parents with their own children. Mm-hmm. Um, so. How's that for a time paradox? Well, um, it kind of gets to change the game of, like, seeing the ghost of my parent, but not having that, like, oh, my little baby, because, one, she doesn't actually ever see him, because mm-hmm. it's just weird time travel stuff, and it doesn't have, like... I was say, I, this all still made more sense than, what is it, the lonely astronaut? Is that the, the Doctor Who? Yeah, I think so, but there's a couple of mm, yeah. good ones, but... Mm. <laughs> uh, God, Doctor Who never makes sense. <laughs> we'll discuss that next week. But uh, I don't know. There's something so fascinating about in some way meeting who your parents were before you were there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they even mentioned that in the episode of like, man, they were entire people before they had us little babies and they just dropped it all. And so it's, they also acknowledge that like, you know, people live entire lives before they decide or end up as parents. So that's also a lead into like why Joshua and Margaret were the way they were as parents mm-hmm. and the events that occur that made them the parents that they were but like but directly of, at the end of that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say like we learn about the parents that they were, but then it leads into us finding out Jake's parentage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which welcome back to shitty dads. As someone who has a dad that was overall pretty good, I keep feeling this season like I need to defend the concept of dads. <laughs> um, <laughs> I swear, not all dads are terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, you know, my dad fucked me up in his own ways just the way that every other dad does by the nature of dads. But <laughs> Jake, the... Even before we... Go ahead. We don't, uh, we don't get to Jake the Star Child until yeah, after that's the third we one. have his... Yeah. We get bananas first, which is Finn's existential crisis of, like, Jake's fine. He'll deal with it. And he has to, like, you know, accept the, like, maybe he does have to check on other people. Maybe not always. And we get more Jermaine, so that's fun. Jermaine oh, no, is sorry, good. that's in Temple of Mars. Oh, no, you're yeah, right. that's in Temple of Mars. Uh, I found bananas to be it. kind of bland. It's the worst episode of the season, I think. Yeah, I. What I find really fun is like the meta subtext behind Bananas, like beyond the just, just like oh, it's you know, 
reference of Mad Magazine, but the fact that we have seen this before just as like a background object or something that Finn interacts with frequently. So he is just an in-universe actual fan of like the magazine Bless. Mm-hmm. And like you can go this entire series not understanding that like it's a thing that's just been there in the background the entire time. And I know my first watch through, I definitely missed it. But there's a couple sequences where, like, we see inside of Finn's backpack or, like, Finn is reading on his bed and, and he's the, reading one of those magazines. This is one of those episodes, and I've gotten it a few times with Adventure Time, where it felt really, and I don't know if it's just, like, kind of homage, but it felt like an episode that would have been better placed in an episode of Futurama. Mm-hmm. Or Futurama did an episode like this. And I don't know what episode that would have been with this one. But this felt kind of Futurama-ish for me somehow. And it's weird to say it suffered for that because Futurama is a fucking incredible show. But it just, something about this one felt kind of out of place to Adventure Time for me. And I I can't even explain to you what it is. Maybe it's just the fact that it's fun. Like, I know that they were mostly just biding their time until Finn finds out that Jake needs help, and this is how he deals with that, like, separation. And, like, Finn's got to fill his time somehow. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of, like, background references of, like, that we see that Finn is still very much preoccupied with Jake's absence. Like, not only through all of the things that we see that Finn puts in the magazine, like, if you slow down and look at a couple of those frames, they very much center on like loss and uh, dogs. And there's a lot of smaller little things in the background of that episode that definitely deal with that theme of like Jake is missing and it is so all encompassing for Finn, even though he is desperately trying to ignore it, that like all of Ooh is just like putting messages in his face. That, like you need to deal with Jake dude well and the joke that he is trying to get everyone to believe in is this isn't helping and his entire attempt to distract himself here is not helping aren't helping Mm -hmm. and ice king makes a terrible jake the best gag in this episode the best i think moment and it's a very unimportant moment but is the penguins torching the building as soon as they're done with the print (laughs) run and I think I just like watching penguins like pour gasoline over things and set it on fire like just that penguins causing destruction (laughs) yeah I love Finn's comment of like yeah you're right nostalgia's not good (laughs) I I actually all the things that you guys have been bringing up about this episode are the things that I do actually kind of like about it I think the part that turned me off is that it sort of had a very, <clears throat> it felt kind of preachy in its sub-message of like, make art that you enjoy. Don't care if other people don't like it. That's fair. I mean, they've made that message a few times in a, like other couple episodes. Like, and that's why I was like, like meta I don't in this. Writing one. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I know Adventure Time inspires very strong responses to people. Sorry, I want to finish this thought real fast. No worries. It inspires very strong responses to people, so I can see the artist being like, look, I don't care if you don't like it. That's fine. In a more overt way. Because, I mean, there was a while where, despite having seen almost none of it, I had, like, really strong anti-Adventure Time feelings, and I don't, I could not tell you why. I know why mine were, but it was for the really stupid reason of, like, going into 
Spencer's and Hastings and having all this Adventure Time merch suddenly pop up in the place of things that I wanted to buy instead. I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is. where is my Metallica t-shirt? Not my... No, that was almost exactly right for that time period. (laughs) (laughs) Where is my Metallica t-shirt? Where is my Slipknot beanie? Why is this little kid holding a sword? I mean, that's kind of dope, but... Where are my Deadpool goth pants? (laughs) I wasn't huge into Deadpool or goth pants, but like stuff like that at Hot Topic always had me being like, maybe. No, I'm not a girl. I'm, I was never a little goth boy. Where's my Boondock Saints hoodie? <laughs> oh, God. That's about the most peak 2003 statement I can think of. Jesus Christ, man. But that brings us into Jake the Star Child, as Yui was so gracefully trying to bring us to a few minutes ago. No. We actually have to get through Temple of Mars oh, first, damn and it. then I, Jake the Star Child. I'm apparently just desperate to get to Star Child. Uh, I mean, it, I understand why, but we gotta get uh, we get more uh, Finn and Jermaine interactions, which is really really nice. Nope, that's I after. According to this, that. Jake the Star Child is first before mm. Temple of Mars. Okay, maybe just who has it backwards. Um, oh yeah, I guess it did air first. Wow. Well, apparently Hulu reorders it. I was about to um, say, I, I'm pretty sure you're right, because I didn't watch it in that order. I watched it in Temple of Mars, and then... We can talk about Temple of Mars first if we want. I'm just being beaten by Wikipedia. No, that's fair. Like, that is technically correct. And I think it would make more sense, because that would uh, give us, you know... Uh, we would see why Jake is, like, stranded out in space. And then we would have... Uh, Finn and Jermaine getting that message to then go to space to retrieve him. Yeah, I don't know why they reordered that. I mean, it honestly works either way because they are, as you pointed out, sort of concurrent episodes. Mm -hmm. But okay. Like if if they wanted to, they could have aired those as like a two-parter episode. Like even though they do that with that, the big mega episode for the series finale, which is great and wonderful. And I love it. It looks but, like they uh, were in the it, same block. Mm-hmm. No, they were aired at the same time. Okay. Um, but anyways, Jake, we finally see more of, they bring back his blue alien form, and we see that that's actually, I guess, theoretically his true form? Mm-hmm. Yeah? I mean, not really, I mean, we because we've seen... Before. Yeah, but we have seen that, like, Jake's true form is Jake the dog, because that's who he is, that's who he chooses to be. Mm-hmm. But I guess his true biological form is is blue, blue alien. alien multiple eyes thing. thing. Uh, oh, geez, he has this weird name and I forget it. Uh, his uh, dying alien parent is Warren Ampersand, but I don't know if... Warren Ampersand, yeah. I kind of dug that name. Ampersand <laughs> is the last name for some reason I found very funny. And the planet is Nera, which is Warren backwards, because mm-hmm. it was all him. Oh, God. <laughs> This is a really classic science fiction technique of like, oh, this weird, powerful person is stealing the lives of his children or the power of his children for various reasons. It's like a Star Trek plot. Yeah. I think for me, like when this episode aired, it was, I want to say it was really close to when uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie with a very similar plot came out. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. Ego, ego in Guardians 2. I was going to bring that up, so it's good to know I'm not alone in that. He's not stealing their life force for, like, to stay alive, but to, you know, mm-hmm. recreate the universe. I mean, it's the same thing of, like, I'm, I'm using my progeny and throwing the ones away that die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking. I don't know. To me, it made me first think of uh, Dragon Age with Flemish and Morrigan, but have not played enough Dragon Age to know that. But as, as, this is what I but, mean. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It pops up everywhere. <laughs> it's a pretty common trope because it's a pretty good trope of, I mean, if we're going to talk about bad dads, somehow Warren might be the worst dad. And we've seen some really bad dads contenders for that title, <laughs> but Warren's actively trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. I can see why that would earn him that title. And he definitely deserves it. Cause garbage my question we didn't have to deal with him a lot yeah my question with this episode with the way it plays out and from what we've seen through the series and what we see from warren in this episode is his stretching powers seem to be potentially exponentially higher than jake's but with jake sucking his power out at the end of the episode is jake now that powerful Possibly, or it could have just been an age thing of why he can do what he does, or just because he has stolen so many Mm -hmm. lives, stretching energy over the years. And I think due to Jake's chronic laziness, we will never know the true depth of his power. (laughs) I do like that Jake is showing his age in this season. Yeah. Uh, Way back in the first one of him being getting flattened because Finn couldn't do it and being like, I love you forever, bro, but you really... Ruining her vibe or whatever it was. <laughs> um, I think with the, like, I have been thinking a lot more about the concept of having children lately. Like, whether I will or will not. Like, I've just, the idea has been in my head more often. And I think that there is something about the 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 trope of the father using up their children for either infinite life like this one or to help me remake the universe. I think it has something along the lines of like, there's that, that kind of truism we hear a lot of like children are your legacy or children are what make you immortal because you're continuing stuff. And there's ways you can say that in ways that are like kind of heartwarming or whatever, but there's also really dark ways parents can take that, that you can see of like, you as a child exists to be my legacy as opposed to like you're my greatest. I'm not sure how to phrase that part that I'm trying to think of, but Mm -hmm. well, I think it might be that of all of the shitty parents we've seen in this series, that Warren ampersand might be the most clearly like an actual narcissist where he (laughs) makes an entire planet out of himself. And then Basically, and only sees he doesn't see uh, his kids as an extension of his will. He sees them as an extension of himself. He, mm-hmm. They are literally what's going to you let are him my continue property, to, to lie, not like to a live. kid. Yeah, it's not even you're my property. It's like you are me because you're not going to matter in a little bit. You are going to be me. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's the only one that doesn't give a shit about his kids. Like all of the other bad parents have some some level of caring about their kids. Even Martin had to have like, you know, cared about Finn growing up and Mm -hmm. uh, through his trauma, isn't able to be what Finn needs him to be, but does have that like, sorry, buddy. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. 
It is what it is, but like isn't actively he wishing actually him cared malice. about him at one point in time, mm-hmm. and kind of does and does as much as he is able later on, like the bits where he's hanging out mm-hmm. with the moth and stuff. Yeah, but outside of like Lauren Ampersand creating Jake when he like injected him into Joshua's head, like the only other point in which he cared about him is when he became useful to. Him. Yeah, so. he, he never at any point actually cares for Jake. So I think that's why he gets the the worst parent. I do like that they beat him with the old school callback of Jake's. The old switcheroo. <laughs> Jake's con man days, which part of me really wants a mini series about. But the <laughs> other part is pretty happy to just leave it being a, a mystery. Mm-hmm. And we get to... Our final two episodes, which first of which is Gumbaldia, where we get. We still haven't talked about Temple of Mars. We've just talked about talking about Temple of Mars. (laughs) Sorry. Nope, that's okay. It just, every one of us has done this now. (laughs) But we get to see Jermaine, who I keep finding distracting because the voice acting is the exact same voice that he uses Mm -hmm. for uh, Greg Universe and Steven Universe. Right. (laughs) And Greg's like my favorite character on that show. So every time he talks, I'm just like, Greg, wait, nope, focus. This is Jermaine now. <laughs> Jermaine is like if Greg actually had to get a, a real life job, but was still allowed to be artistic. Mm-hmm. Like if Greg made corporate music. Well, and there is something kind of interesting about Jermaine is just a normal guy in a family of complete psychopaths for the most part not complete psychopaths but it's just, wild it's a wild family yeah just they're all <laughs> for him to be so level-headed and like calm about everything while having to deal with like the excess and crazy of like not only joshua and margaret but also finn and jake mm-hmm. it's like uh no wonder he just wants to sit there and paint <laughs> Wildly different scale, but, you know, Yui will probably relate to this when you're listening to, like, a a serial killer documentary, and they'll be talking about how messed up the family was growing up, except for the one sibling that, like, hit 18 and noped out and is just never part of the story again. It's like if that person occasionally came back to visit and murder happened less often. Like, (laughs) he's the only responsible one, because he takes on all of his dad's jobs despite not being mm-hmm. the hero mm-hmm. and here we get to see him not be the hero and just really simple stuff like uh talking constantly because he's freaked out about the idea of having to teleport and one just the growth of finn of letting him do that and acknowledging like yeah i know what you're doing but it's fine like whatever you need to do don't just <laughs> instead of trying to fix it instead of tr- just let you have this i love that kind of role reversal in that episode where like it's not Finn who's the one, like, screaming as he goes headlong into this adventure. He's the one who's stoic and, like, calm and knows what to do. And, like, Jermaine is the one who's, like, screaming, like, ah, he's, like, so discombobulated, blah. So that was a fun role reversal in that episode. Yeah. We briefly see Tiny Manticore. Right. Mm-hmm. And they call him, what, Tiny Griffin or something <laughs> like that? Yeah, what was that? Was a that? little a Tiny Griffin? <laughs> Oh, God. And you're like, no, that's so clearly not. But, okay. Also, I love that he just still lives in the old remnants of Magic Man's house. He's like, ah, I just all live here. I know this. <laughs> I know this, and what the hell? It's not like it's super <laughs> easy to get a house in ooh by the look of it, so it's functional. Yeah. 
I also like mm-hmm. that Finn is just allowed to walk into his house without even having to say anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would be like someone walking into my place and like going into the back art room. Me being like, eh, whatever, you'll get to it. Yeah. Okay, I'm doing stuff right now. <laughs> I didn't expect to see Normal Man again. I honestly thought that the last one was going to be... True. Now King Man. I didn't expect to see King Man. (laughs) I love that, like, once he's returned to power, he starts going crazy again, though. Right. But only a little bit crazy. Not not fully. Not fully. Like, nowhere near the Magic Man levels. (laughs) But, like... He's a person where power really goes to his head. So if you give him mm -hmm. the power of Magic Man... He's going to go super nuts. If you give him just the power of a kingdom, little nuts. Well, yeah. Kingman is fine. I can deal with Kingman. I'm not mad in a Kingman episode like I was with any time Magic Man showed up. <laughs> Magic Man was such a dick. I hate Magic Man <laughs> so much. He's not the worst character on this show because that's still Lemonhead, but... Uh, yeah, Lemon Grab is... The- Lemon Grab, that's what it's... One of the best jokes in the show, but we will get to that again in the finale, which I'm realizing I knew the finale was good. But every time I go, we'll get to that in the finale. It really does show how much the finale overshadows the rest of this season. And this season is its worst episode is like a C. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can even see it in just like the viewership of the episodes of this season. They start off around like, like, I don't understand these numbers, but. They start mm-hmm. off really high. Point seven, so that's what, like, that's, I think every point is it's it's basically from a million, right? So yeah. So it's mm-hmm. 770,000 people. Watched it when I was, which is. While it was airing. Which is a lot of people, but. Mm-hmm. Drops down to point fives, but then the finale yeah. is like a point nine. Yeah. So just seeing that range of, like, people were expecting a lot, and they were expecting a lot more of, like, a focused, story-driven, just, like, getting us to that end point so like once people started to see it it was like oh it's not as much sad as more of like i don't know adventure time being adventure time so i guess Mm -hmm. i'll tune in again once it's the end once it's important again but i don't know there's a lot of things that those people missed well and it was a very good choice to end adventure time being true to what adventure time was mm mm-hmm and I think that's why I love it so much is because it didn't try to make that end be like it didn't try to create like an entire spectacle to lead up to that final end point. Like, yeah, they made some moves to like get us there and there was some plot points that they had to cover to get there and whatnot. But how they arrived to that end episode makes me really happy and how it feels a lot more true to the style of the show. I will say, though, as much as I just said that I liked this, it means that this next episode of Gumbaldia had to carry a lot of weight really hard, really fast in ways that I don't know about. Yeah, the, like, how so? Oh, I just, like, getting us from, oh, hey, we know this, you know, Uncle Gumbald is there and that he's a problem. And then we're going to go deal with other stuff for a while. And then this episode has to get us from, like, hey, Jake's back. That's great. To we are going to war. In 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything that we've seen of Gumbald up to this point has shown that he's like very hesitant to change. So I don't know that seeing that he's pulling the exact same fucking move 
mm-hmm. like no changes except for that like he's not doing it directly himself like that's the only difference this time around is that like he's not the one physically wielding it he's making someone else do it mm-hmm. that was nice to see we get to see more interaction between like the green knight and finn and that was nice to see because I don't know, there was just a severe lack of that beyond just in 17. Like, it would have been nice to have maybe a few more points of where he just, like, shows up and they have, like, more... I, I just think this episode or this season could have used, like, three to five more episodes to just build up a few Flesh of those, out like, a few more things. points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As much as I value the Monster of the Week approach. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, it, this is one of those episodes that, like, they have to get from point A to get us to where we start off in the final episode once we get to, like, that timeline, because, you know, mm-hmm. we start in the future. Well, and you have to take down uh, Peppermint Butler, otherwise his occult powers would have tipped the battle, <laughs> obviously, in their favor in that final battle. You're just going to be He like... would have summoned the entirety of the Night of Fear, and they would have been so fucked, but also everybody would have been fucked, but... Yeah, Pep. Don't worry, like Pep Butt would have made this actively worse <laughs> from the start. <laughs> oh man, I love that. Like we get the clue in of our final villain without realizing that that's what it's going to be until he arrives. Like oh, so good from when um, Betty, when they're in the uh, in the Temple of Mars and they're going through the calibration machine to find Jake. And she, like, finds that idea of, like, trying to pull Margles and, like, wishing Simon back from gold. Mm-hmm. We skipped over uh, that entire part on Temple of Mars of the actual, like, meat and potatoes of that episode. Yeah, we... Um, <laughs> there's so much, and, yeah, we... Uh, uh. <laughs> it is... Kingman is still very bad at power of, I'm going to teach you a lesson, and then she learns the exact wrong lesson. But also a very logical lesson for her to learn. Yeah. From that, like it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, given everything that we've seen of Betty before, like the fact that she goes to that decision straight off, like, yeah, it makes complete sense. And I love that even though Kingman has like come so far and we've seen that like, he's never been able to let go of Margles, even just the mere thought that like he could have her again is enough to be like okay fuck everything i'm willing to do it yeah the moment she like says i could do this he forgets the lesson that he was trying to teach Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just immediately (laughs) Um, before we move on to the finale do we have anything else on gumbaldia since i mean it's kind of as we said from point a to point b episode the giant robot's cool but i also grew up watching a lot of gundam so all, mm-hmm. all giant robots are cool. Yes. <laughs> all giant robots are cool. Mm-hmm. As someone who was once a 14-year-old boy, I can just say this with absolute authority. I uh, Yeah, no, I know. I know you're agreeing with. I just, just I was just I cried in the theater during Pacific Rim. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that that movie's cool. Don't get I just that did not inspire tears. Not like sobbing, but like I was like, oh my god, it's all my eight-year-old dreams come to life. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's straight up just Yarmo del Toro playing with the toys he had as a kid. But on the big scale. Um, I did cry and come along with me. Only once. And only, like, a tear. I didn't. But I like it, though. Aww. Like, I think it's a fantastic finale. Um, finales are just hard to do in general. Most shows do not have good finales. 
And this is a really fucking good finale. So It's not my all-time best finale. It is a great example of how to end the show, especially with one like this. Also, my all-time favorite finale isn't actually a finale because they last second decided to do another season afterwards. But I, do, you, do you count the finale of uh, Black Adder Goes Forth as the finale? Or does the fact they did so many specials afterwards? No, if I want to cry endlessly, I'll watch Black Adam Goes Forth. Uh, no, what I was thinking of is the Scrub Season 8 finale, which mm-hmm. is like the final of the original cast, yada, 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 is one of the most perfect episodes of television I have ever watched in my life. And that's a show that I have like, Oh, deep affection for. So that's the one I'm going to give us like the perfect finale, but this is, this is up there. This is like Star Trek next generation's finale. Good. Which is another Jesus. Fuck. They did a good job with this. This might be my third favorite finale with only black adder and uh, the good place above it. So still haven't seen good place. Can't see. Literally all I remember of Blackadder goes forth ending is tears because it's just designed to make you cry. Yui, have you ever seen Blackadder? I don't actually know. I know I've seen episodes of it, but I've never watched like the show. And especially when I was watching it, I was a kid. So the, the final season is World War One, and the final ep- and like the whole point of it is them trying to make sure they don't go over the top. And I the- know I've seen the closing bit of that. And they go over the top and all die. Like, it freeze frames, but, like, they're dead. Yeah, I have seen at least that sequence. And yeah. it ruins me every time. I have very visceral feelings of memories of crying in the upstairs bathroom in my mom's apartment. <laughs> Watch this that. finale, though. Yes, I'm Not sorry. Not to get too far off. We've been talking about doing a Black Adder episode since, I think, the very first episode of General Nerdery. <laughs> Um, but to get us back to this, like you. I know Zach, you walked in on me watching this for the first time. So I, kn- and I, I knew yeah, about like, Shermie so and Beth because of that, and I knew what the final scene was going to be, but I lacked all context for it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't remember if you had walked in when I was watching uh, the the time adventure song. I think that's when you walked in, like that song in particular. I don't know, like, even when I listen to it now, it still just, like, gets me. I walked in right afterwards because the only things I remember is Bemo being, like, and then they went on more adventures, and then them singing, like, the final along with me. But you were sobbing from that song, and Mm -hmm. I had a moment of, like, oh, no, my roommate is sobbing. How much emotional energy (laughs) is this going to cost me after a long day? Oh, it's a cartoon. We're good. Okay. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, watching the like the final sequence of that show and how they chose to close it out with that end song that we've heard for ten seasons and like the full like the fullness of it, like not just that little ten second clip that we always hear. We get to see like all of the characters living their lives. I and, definitely but feel we're also like getting way ahead of ourselves. Of course. I definitely feel like this season <laughs> would have this episode would have hit a lot harder if I had come up watching the show over the course of however many years it was coming out, as mm-hmm. opposed to watching it for a podcast. And I mean, I've loved doing this. Do not get me wrong. But I had the same feeling though. Like if this would have been drawn out, this would have hit harder. And this yeah. Like, yeah, when I started watching this in two thousand ten and then 
finally seeing that end of episode in 2018 like yeah that was a very large part of like why i very much love this series well and that's um, through your 20s almost mm-hmm. exactly so that is uh that's huge your 20s suck so you've also been going through a lot of real dark shit and growth like just for every person I don't know many people yeah. who have had a good, t- their 20s, like, overall was actually good. And I don't trust them when I do meet it. Yeah. No, and especially, like, for me, like, the things that I went through, like, even just during that time. Like, having that show was definitely a very important part of, like, just me getting through everything that I went through. And seeing all of those trials, mm-hmm. like, mirrored through the characters like how they would overcome adversity. Like that's definitely like me. It's projecting that onto the media and why it's so important. To me. Oh, like, I definitely I understand that. that. Mm, they're so good. Some of them. Smallville's actively bad. <laughs> Sorry. I that I, there's something about how they start off an entirely new story that we don't really get to explore while ending one that we've grown to love. Like yeah. with things that we've already seen, like all of these, all of the things that we see in the timeline of a thousand years in the future, we've seen already through like the Grable Master. So there is precedent. There is a timeline, and like visions, like ah, even just in the opening sequence, we see things that we've seen mm-hmm. referenced before. Like uh, we see Gibbon, and uh, that was the pup that Charlie eventually has. Yep. Uh, in that one dream tarot session that she has with herself mm-hmm. uh, so we learn about given then and we learn that he's survived a thousand years to become <laughs> the fucking leader of the pup kingdom and can take away other pups powers at will after having his stolen but no context on why that is and like ah there's an entire world in just that opening sequence that <laughs> somewhat appropriately i find shermy soups annoying uh, which fits yeah. with where I found Finn when this all first started. Yeah. I mean, I didn't find Finn as annoying as I found Shermie, but like, so. He's also not a crazy little cat guy. Yeah. I Yeah, that's true. <laughs> kind of looks like Jack from Jack and Dexter. Not though. No, I'm thinking <laughs> of uh, Ratchet and Clank. He kind of looks like Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> not important. We're talking about, I'm talking about like 15 year old video games here. Sorry. <laughs> Yui, I'm curious, since you're you're actually like part of the fandom for this series and we're newcomers, mm-hmm. how is this finale received amongst fans? Like, is it thought of mostly as favor- favorable? Because I could see this one being there... very split. Because it reminds me a lot of the Battlestar Galactica finale. <laughs> like, honestly, like, that was kind of every single episode. There was people who loved singular episodes. There was other people who a, hated singular episodes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was very uneven. It just depended on what type of fan you were, what you actually wanted out of this story. Like, I know uh, for the people who had spent that entire series just wanting uh, Bubblegum and Marceline to get together, like having that like on screen kiss and confirmation, like that was mind blowing. Oh my <laughs> God, holy shit. I, like, I, it's still awesome and amazing. I did have thoughts about that. And what was interesting to me is, you know, seeing it and having it not be a big, I mean, it was a big deal because like I've been watching these characters, yada, yada, yada. But mm-hmm. because of other shows I've seen where that has happened, you know, Steven Universe had big moments of queer representation where my brain was like, holy shit. 
and realizing that this came before those. Like, yeah, you have to think about it like in context Mm -hmm. of like when it aired, because even though Cora had just like recently finished, like they received a lot of criticisms of like, oh, you didn't have him like on screen kiss. Like the most they were allowed to do was like hold hands on the final episode. And, And that being like revolutionary being like, man, we've come. I mean, obviously, there is still so far to go. I'm as as a straight man, I'm definitely not going to be like, "We've made it." But just <laughs> and I the think f- that's why uh, a lot of people really love the Distant Lands episode with Marceline and uh, Princess Bubblegum because it it just directly explores like it's every single fluff fan fiction thing that you would want them to do, like them just living their lives and also having an adventure That's while being great. girlfriends. <laughs> but just having that moment of the kiss one was just super satisfying because of the growth over 10 mm-hmm. seasons, but being like, Oh man, and it, it's nice. And it confirms not only that like they have feelings for each other still, but like they dated in the past, they have gone through a separation and they've grown since then. And mm-hmm. They're coming back together. There's no way any homophobes can be like, Oh, blah, 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 they shoehorned it in. And like, they very much, made sure of that also the joke of yeah i might have a concussion and that's why i'm talking weird yeah that was good <laughs> kyle also kind of makes me wonder how many concussions pb's had in the past because every once in a while she'll just say just wild shit <laughs> like, <laughs> like what she, she said Me? that's super weird is right marcy was right but it wasn't wildly out of character for for pb either yeah. <laughs> especially those early season appearances of pb and then also think about how much time she spends alone in her lab. So who knows what types of fumes she's inhaling. And we know she doesn't sleep for like a week at a time. Right? <laughs> yeah, PB's nuts. Uh, I had seen, I remember seeing when I walked in originally, that makes it sound way dirtier than it was. When, I, when you were watching this and I caught the last like three minutes of it. I remember seeing mm-hmm. the two of them together and being like, Oh, they are a couple. I've picked up enough of the internet for some fandom to be aware that people wanted that. I did not mm-hmm. know I was going to get this kiss, <laughs> which is really satisfying. I thought it was going to be a legend of Korra situation where it's set up in a way they that they so him. easily could have debated it for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's one of the few points that like, rarely is contested over this finale i know a lot of people wanted a more direct like just that final battle just that like the story without that framing device of being in the future and having bemo who's the king of oh i fucking love that for bemo (laughs) and the extension of like the most collection of random shit. Like if you pause that, like there's also diagrams from Steve Wolfhard, who is one of the major like people besides like any of the people that we've talked about for the entirety of this show that has mm-hmm. helped shape the land of Ooh and is one of the people who like helps kind of like if he says it, it's pretty much canon. Like most people accept that. Perfect. Um, yeah. And I've lost my point. Oh, no. No, you're fine. Uh, BMO, King of Ooh. Uh, oh, yeah. The diagrams of, like, all of the shit that you can find in the background that is just, like, from season one to, like, a few episodes ago. Like, we, just a few of the items that I remember off the top of my head. There's one of the cards from when Finn and Jake have that day of being silent mm, uh, yeah. on the bookshelf. 
<laughs> Poor there Demo is. losing her, their mind. Yes. <laughs> so, I don't know, just like all of the collections that Demo has created of like all of the adventures that we just watched. So kind of Demo being that stand in for the fan interaction. And I love that framing device. And I love seeing future Ooh, even though we've seen it before. And yeah, I just found a list of all the things that are in Bemo's cave. It's like 70 fucking items long. I There's believe it. So of much. things that showed up from other episodes. There's a reason this show took like six months per episode to make. Like, mm-hmm. like there's entire stories that happen in just the backgrounds of certain episodes. Like, even in Bonnebelle Bubblegum, like when she goes to the gas station, like there's kind of this background subtext story of this uh, the people in the picture that she sees. You see like writing on the walls uh, in one set of handwriting and then another set in like a different type of handwriting. And just that kind of context and things that you can get just from background images. They're mm-hmm. so cool. And another reason why I love this show so much because it happens in ways you aren't even paying attention to in like pretty much every single episode, which is like, that's why we get that kind of through line of background, like in jokes of like the snail or like other little things that happen. So good. Now, when, when you first thought that this was aired in two parts, I absolutely would have believed it because this finale is kind of two separate sections because mm-hmm. you have them dealing with Gumball's people, which is really just repairing a lot of interpersonal connections. Mm-hmm. And then you have the actual fight. Which is with what, Bergalorg or whatever Golb. Golb? That's it. Yeah, Golb. Let's talk about Finn and Fern before we dive into Golb, or I guess if we have anything of that, because that that dream sequence is really important, even if my brain is just going to... What's interesting for me is the parts of this episode that stick out to me are mostly the, like, future ooh stuff, even though all of the really important stuff happens in the other scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so after uh, Finn has failed at diplomacy and they're about to start the war, he like runs out with his like last dish Hail Mary in the nightmare juice. And that's when they had that like mid episode break of like LSD running up and being like, oh my God, they're dead. They're, they're dead. actually dead. And that was like cut to commercial. And I know that was like, holy fuck, oh no. Because, like, we were so used to just two-part episode stories. And so that was, like, the fake out of, like, oh, ha, ha, that's how we ended the series. They're all dead. Mm. And princess, that a lot of people. Lumpy Space Princess kissing Lemon Grab <laughs> might somehow the be the greatest movie. moment in the whole show. And, I, and it only works because of the pure hatred that both of those characters inspired in me for large parts of this show. And then the puck... You're welcome. Also, the fact that we've seen them, <laughs> the like we've seen them go on a date before. So even the people who are like, "Oh, it's just because of like fan service or whatever," like, no, it wasn't. They've <laughs> had an established relationship already. Except so yes, LSD being like, "You're lips. welcome." As you're welcome. <laughs> that was so good. Oh yeah, that was really good, actually. Oh, lemon grab. Oh, I still hate you so much, but I kind of like you with Lumpy Space Princess, who becomes a full-on queen later, which is a terrible idea still. I don't care how much I mean, she's Somebody grown. has to run Lumpy Space, I guess. 
I do not care how much she's grown. It should not be Lumpy Space Princess. But, sorry, I distracted us entirely from the thing that I requested, which uh, talk about Nightmare and, Juice. Uh, yeah, they go into the Nightmare Juice realm, and as far as, like, dream sequences go, this is one of the least visually interesting ones No, it's really straightforward. They don't have that much time for subtext. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's like, they, this is a longer than normal episode. It's still pretty short in the grand scheme of things. And they're just having to get, yeah, they're having to get a lot in in a very little time. It was still cool, though. I like fucking, I love like when we get for- cartoons lean into the fact that they're fucking cartoons and can mm-hmm. do a bunch of wild shit. Like, the dream sequence gets better after that opening bit. Like, once we get into, like, Bonneville and Gumball, like, reliving each other's experiences mm-hmm. uh, through each other's eyes and then um, Finn and Fern and their whole fight and then Jake with his dream Jermaine helping him find the vault and then we get to go back and be like okay well now that the gum war's over nothing matters and then oh no magic man or sorry king man daddy and a living battery Maja are somehow here Mm-hmm. And they fucked up. Oh, no. <laughs> the, just before that, Fern basically dying by dealing with their own trauma, I thought was mm-hmm. just th- that whole thing. I don't even have that much to say about it. I just felt like it needs to be mentioned. That whole bit was great. It was a nice conclusion to like, oh, no, you got to deal with like the separation of self. And, and Fern's still going to die, but at least it's done in a way where you're like helping Fern as opposed to... Well, did he have to die, or is it only because goddamn Cosmic Owl showed up? Makes the dream true. It was good to see Cosmic Owl briefly. Mm -hmm. Cosmic Owl has one of the best designs of this show, honestly. (laughs) Although it is funny to learn he's just a based off of a fucking toilet. That's so good. That's fine. That's so good. Uh, But yeah, now, Golb. Yeah, and that would lead us into, like, why we get that big emotional beautiful song that still gives me chills every time <laughs> I listen to it like of all of the Adventure Time songs like that one is definitely my favorite and it there's is, a reason it is why I, I say time is an illusion too. yeah no if you ever remember like ever since that episode I sing like time is an illusion because hope things make sense just all the time because to I be fucking honest, love that song I so always much. thought that it had more to do with your feral nihilism thing <laughs> nope, it's entirely just this. I just added that into it. <laughs> Where do you think that came from? Yeah, fair enough. I spent my entire 20s watching this show. I think this song would have hit for me more emotionally if I hadn't watched uh, Battlestar Galactica first, but this has all happened before. This will all happen again is a big part of that show. So the fact that they did, mm-hmm. were doing like the 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 happen happening happened bit like mm-hmm. that being repeated as many times as it did I was just like oh man is it time for you to watch Beastar G <laughs> that's the problem oh. when you see a trope that's really well done but you've seen it somewhere else you're like oh, yeah and it's not like this wasn't well done like yeah. that's a, like a giant compliment to be no, in my book ba- to Battlestar be, Galactus is one of your all time favorite shows so yeah I, I loved I loved the way they ended that show and so the fact that this was similar I was like oh cool <laughs> I'm completely down mm-hmm. I, I just like BMO protecting them because I mean we've seen always how and we didn't even talk about this in uh, always BMO 
selling or whatever that fuck it's called. Oh, right. The, uh, the amount that they are putting into like taking care of BMO and being like, well, we're pretty sure he's going to fuck up, but we have this, like we set up this, uh, uh, employee of the month party for him just to really like make sure it goes in. And the, this time I will protect you. How about today? You let me be the papa. <laughs> that's it. That's, but his version is just, I'm going to sing a song about time and completely accidentally. It's going to be what wins us to the day. And then as someone who likes musicals, everyone singing together, coming together in song to save the day. I just, I like or the fact that Lemon Grab and LSP just scream instead of sing along. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine how hard it would have to be for that poor voice actor to try and sing as Lemon oh, Grab. Oh. oh, I bet he could do His it. The voice coach would probably die. <laughs> the shit Royland does with his fucking voice. I can't believe it sometimes. But... I'm, I'm sure he could. I just like. God, I think there's be... like a voice track because like in that big uh, kind of thing, they kind of cycle through some voice tracks that you can hear. And I feel like he's one of them. Like it's not full lemon grab, but like it's at least recognizable enough. It's like, <laughs> that's that voice actor singing this song. <laughs> oh, it is. It was a beautiful moment, though. Uh-huh. It just I, I didn't have me rolling tears. Nope, just a single solitary tear. Just yeah. just the one. It was very picturesque. Mm. Except for the fact that I was in my pajamas on the couch under covers. Um, <laughs> at like noon. Um, the honestly fern dying. Or mm. that like, it's okay, just bury me at the treehouse. Wrecked me more than I expected, because I have only sort of cared about fern this whole time. Well, it's just sort of tragic because like he finally got that growth and that growth just led to his demise. Mm-hmm. Cause like he was the one that had to grow in their nightmare dream. Like Finn was finally like the, the fucking responsible and like, yeah, it really was more than anything. The like full proof of who Finn was is emotionally at this point is wildly different than who he was even two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Cause Fern's not season one Finn, but he's definitely not. Now season Finn. 10 Finn. Yeah. yeah. Did we have a point before this? this is kind of a non sequitur, but did we have a point before this where the singing hole could have, could be heard by people other than Finn? Like, I, I feel like I remember last time we saw her only Finn could hear her, but then Jake clearly could in, in this little, in this little bit. Yeah. Last bit. Yeah. Was there uh, they kind that of I ex- forgot? Uh, no, that we, this is only the second instance of the singing hole. The first one, uh, you are remembering correctly. And they explain like why Jake would eventually be able to hear her now. Um, because he has witnessed, I think it's like a great loss or something. Like it's something that the singing hole and Finn talk about that Finn has just experienced some terrible emotional thing. And that's why he is now able to communicate with the singing hole. And I mean, the entire you just witnessed almost their complete destruction. Mm-hmm. Like, that's and pretty traumatic. Jake had his real dad stuff too, which is mm-hmm. yeah. They they don't die no, about it much, but it's pretty traumatic. And yeah, so no, that because all makes Jake sense. isn't outwardly affected doesn't mean he wasn't affected. Mm-hmm. That but all yeah. makes sense. Uh, now that would mean that Jake would be able to at least interact with the same hole. But uh, the voice actress for 
the singing hole is also the writer of that song because it was I don't remember what the name of the band is but the song title is Islands and it was nice to like get to hear all of that song while also just viewing the rest of uh the montage that we get to see after we hear Bimo being like well they just get to live their lives and even though we don't get to like see all of the iterations of that being just those little glimpses was really nice while hearing that really familiar song yeah I do think that that montage played kind of quick. I didn't pick up what was happening in some of the things because I was having to bounce my eyes so much around to being like, who is this even about? Oh, God. Yeah, no, they only, I mean, as we said, this is a 45-minute episode total that they're trying to fit a, like, a two-hour movie into. Um, mm-hmm. I think I caught most of them, though. Yeah. I'm looking at a list of, like, all the little endings that they showed, and I'm like, I know I didn't catch a couple of these, but... Real quick on this, there's a bit, uh, You we mentioned it already, of... Um, what happened next? Oh, they went on with their lives and had other adventures. Yeah. That ties in so much. Tyler, I know you haven't. Yui, have you ever seen the finale of Star Trek Next Generation? Yeah. The way that that series ends, because uh, the ca- the crew playing poker isn't big ongoing like moments that add, add up in there. And the final episode, the final scene of that episode, which has had Picard confronting the past, present, and future, is him joining them for the first time in a poker game. And then it slows out and we get the final shot is just the enterprise D going through space on the way to its next adventure. And it is one of the most perfect. I mean, it is in number like two of my all time great finales, like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And that line gave me very strong Patrick Stewart ending final words on next gen being the sky's the limit even though he's talking about poker, but still. I don't know if there's any of these little these little vignettes that they showed that we want to bring up in particular, but before we, we talk mm-hmm. any more about that, I do want to back up for just a second because I remember thinking how the nice little touch of when they were dealing of being inside Gold's stomach mm-hmm. and Betty's trying to make the wish with the Ice King, the back in its wish state, the Ice, cream, ice King helm. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I can't fucking talk. The crown. Yeah. With Harmony being the opposite of Golb, her wishes don't work until it's something that has to do with helping another person. Mm. And whatever it takes, I want Simon to be safe. I mean, she wished for the power to keep Simon safe. That's and the it, only way to keep her safe, or keep Simon safe, was to merge with Gold And get and Gold leave. the fuck out of there, yeah. Yep. I do like that we finally Gold get... stuck around, he was about to destroy the universe i do that we like that we finally get simon back in some way and then i like that it looks like they're going to go for a part three of big fights because gunther (laughs) picks up the wishing thing and they're like oh god no (laughs) oh and i'm like and i had that moment of like jesus christ how much time do we have left are they going to do a third this is the big battle (laughs) and then nope nope. we just get the ice thing he just wanted to be ice king or ice thing well, this the is all happened before. This will all happen. Winter happened. Evergreen. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I love this. That was how they end that with the callback to, like, the Master Evergreen and Gunter relationship and how he spent all this time with him. It's like, you know what? I just want to be Ice King. <laughs> so much energy is put into 
Gunther and Evergreen for characters that appear combined for a grand total of 22 minutes on this show. Mm-hmm. Ah, the, the absolute depth that, like, a single offhanded reference, like, um, there was one episode, like, several, several seasons ago where Princess Bubblegum mentions her uncle Gumbald and how he chopped down the taffy forest in a single night, and then we get to see the like the context of that occurring in like just the backstory of like all the gumball relatives and why that was maybe a lot worse than bubblegum originally presented that and just the way this show builds off itself off of small little things of whether it be like an actual foreground thing or background or like just even just fan service inclusion like that's how we get me now and like their weird inclusion in the story for no apparent reason, <laughs> but the creativity that this show chose in their story directions was really great to see as a fan. So I guess my biggest question about this episode though, is as far as uh, if anything, like I, I think I, after having seen this, I kind of agree with you, Yui. Like, Distant Lands feels weird just because this was such a nice little wrap-up. Mm-hmm. But Distant if Lands they might base... be great, but it is the money pit being right. continued. But, like, if a series were to continue as a direct sequel, how much of this episode would actually be considered canon considering it's Bemo telling us the story? That's a fair point. He doesn't actually even remember Finn's name correctly. And if you remember most of the events that we are recounted to in that story, Bimo isn't there at all. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about that. I guess I just imagined that, like, you know, he heard the story, but we've seen Bimo tell stories before. (laughs) He goes in weird directions. Yeah, like, even just a few episodes, they deliberately, like, show you that Bimo is not a reliable storyteller. But then they end the show with Bimo being the storyteller. But Bimo does care like that, that his stories true. control contain emotional truth. That's true. I'm going to go with this remains true just for my own personal headcanon because I kind of <laughs> need it to be. But I kind of love the do... idea that it's just Bimo making shit up as he goes along. <laughs> I know a lot of people had that criticism of that, like when it first aired, like, oh, well, since it was Bimo telling and none of that actually occurred and we still don't know, like, the actual end of the story and we never, never will, I hate the creators, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, as, like, um, as far as, like, reactions went to when this aired. Um, some of them were, like, I fucking hated this. I hate this show. And well, I, don't know, you don't. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were just mad. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no, I just think it's a fun way to think about it. I don't, I'm not mad about it. Though. I hadn't thought of, I'm really glad that I thought about it now. I mean, we know that at least parts of it are true because we see signs of it in the future. Mm-hmm. In the future. See, my big final question for this is, is Sweet Pea still called Sweet Pea 2000 years in the future? Oh my God. <laughs> Grown up Sweet Pea walking with the fucking Nightblade is the story I need in my life so badly. <laughs> Wait, uh, I want too. the adventures uh, of Sweet Pea. <laughs> yeah, because that's what he can look like, right? Like, he's the new Billy. Uh-huh. Which yes, works like, because... that is what they were setting up like him for. <laughs> well, and it works because Billy's body was stolen by the Lich, mm-hmm. and then he was born as the Lich, so he really is 
because he decided not to be the lich, mm-hmm. he just kind of becomes Billy. He's the next hero of Ooh. I kind of want his voice to be exactly the same, though. <laughs> yes. Oh, the lich voice? No. Sweet Pea's oh, baby Billy? voice, but as like oh, full-grown giant. Baby voice? <laughs> Oh I'm not God. saying it's a good choice creatively. I'm saying it would make me laugh really fucking hard. I, I think that it would, would have to be very either. consistent for the show. I think it would either have to be the Sweet Pea Baby voice or like Ron Funches. Ron Funches would be great. Although, again, I say all of this, but the Lich's voice is Ron Perlman. And I will let Ron Perlman do literally any job he wants to That's do. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I definitely miss the Lich as, like, a villain. Like, mm. I, I love Sweet Pea. I love Sweet Pea. We've covered that a lot. <laughs> but I do miss the Lich as a villain. I really did so much expect for the Lich to be a much bigger part of the story again somewhere after Sweet Pea was born in a way that he just never was. Like, there's important I, Lich things that happen, but, like, mm-mm. I don't know. I was sure the Lich was going to be the final boss more than anyone more than anyone um, else. One of like. my biggest unanswered questions that we get from like things that are directly referenced in the stories is like the scholars of gold. I wanted to fucking learn more about them, but we never got to because none of that mattered apparently. <laughs> and because the lich was one of them. Like he even says that. Like, who are they? We don't know, but we know the lich was one of them and bleh, who cares? <laughs> we have other shit to worry about. That's something that I will forever think about. Who are they? What were they doing? And why? I don't know if I can think of too much else to say, though. I like, I really, else. really like it. I actually thought about it, like, all night, all morning. But I think we pretty much covered all the ways that it's good, too. Yeah, it's one of those things where I could probably talk for another few hours, but I also don't have that much more to say. And we're getting long enough in the tooth that I guess... Final thoughts time before we dive into... Uh... Oh, I loved uh, Ancient Psychic Tandem War Elephant showing back up. That was my other thought. Yes. I'm so glad he got to be there for the next war. There was a D&D campaign where I, we weren't allowed a mammoth that we desperately wanted, and we just honestly ruined that poor DM's day. Because he decided to be real pissy about this one thing, and so we latched on. But there was something, some, like, ancient memory inside of me of that fucking mammoth that I wanted. <laughs> that I see any time I get, see uh, Psychic War Elephants. <laughs> hey, I heard Wonderful. you guys had a war going on. <laughs> <laughs> sure, buddy. Uh, I mean, I spent this entire series trying to explain, the, like, you know... I have a very large emotional attachment to the series mm-hmm. and just the way that they approach ideas and concepts like through their very short limited storytelling in this world that's so rich and storied and immersive. I don't know. I think that's I one of my biggest the- takeaways ah. is I'm truly impressed with how much they fit into every episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, even just trying to, like, this is definitely one of my, like, comfort series of, like, I'm crafting. I just want to throw this on the background. Like, every single time I notice something new. And I've been watching this series since 2010. So, always something more you can pick up, something more you can find out through this world that, like, they don't ever mention directly in the story. 
I appreciate how much I like this in ways that I wasn't quite expecting. Cause I knew I was going to like it, but like Tyler, you and I talked before we recorded the first episode, but after we'd seen of like, I enjoy this, but I kind of think I enjoy this in doses kind of enjoy this. And the later seasons just got so easy to binge, even though they are standalone episodes. And like, I knew some of the wild shit that was going to happen, having seen the pilot years ago and stuff. But it, and I knew that like, it picked up much more storyline, but I don't know. There's even with you telling me the amount of growth that was in this show until I experienced it. I don't think I could understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show's also fucking horrifying. Oh yeah. There's so much wild shit. I appreciate that so much. I did not realize how fucking wild the show, this wide, the ride was going to get like, holy fuck. There's some just insane body horror there like the some so crazy fucking surrealist fucking landscapes and situations and it, the amount of fart jokes constant fart jokes so much farting i've i've got this <laughs> thing about how like the pokemon world as much as i grew up wanting to be a pokemon master is really horrifying if you stop and think about it in any way shape or form of like how, what that world actually entails Oh, yeah. Living um, in Ooh would be a fucking nightmare. Yes, that's... Oh Ooh might be, for one of the, like, oh, this is some of the better cartoons I've watched, Ooh might be one of the most horrifying worlds to live in. I mean, it's an actual post-apocalyptic wasteland. Like, that's just the world that they live in. Yeah. Uh, have you read... I know, you you haven't. Have you read Garrett Morrison's Animal Man? No. Okay, there is an episode of it, an issue of it that might be the single greatest single issue of a comic book ever made, where a basically wily e. coyote gets tired of always getting wrecked by um, Roadrunner, Roadrunner mm-hmm. and God sends him to the DC universe, but he keeps oh. getting wrecked in the same way. You know, like he gets hit by a truck still and he survives it. But because it's a much more serious universe, he's actually getting hurt the injuries and stuff. And it's horrific. It is. It's called the Coyote Gospels. I know I just said it's one of the best things. And then I just explained how terrible it is. But like, it's so well done. And something about the idea of living in ooh makes me think of that of like, because it does have that. It's one of the few shows I've ever seen that has, like, Looney Tune rules with real-world stakes almost. Mm-hmm. It's never as zany as Looney Tunes is, but, like, it's fucking out there at times. Yeah. Cool. Recommendations? I'll, I'll go. I have some. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to say uh, Animal Man by Grant Morrison, which is one of the comics that he made in the late 80s when he was taking a bunch of speed and watching Czech Surrealist films. Uh... <laughs> They, sorry, they, they recently came out as non-binary in the last year or so, and I'm still... Oh, good for them. Yeah, very, mm-hmm. especially because they're like 60, so it's them being like, oh, holy shit. Oh, that's, 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 that's <laughs> um, They're also absolutely insane, but that has nothing oh, yeah. to do with being non-binary. That has them <laughs> that spending... Is, I mean, uh, that has them spending the 80s <laughs> taking speed and watching Czech Surrealist films while drawing comic books, <laughs> or writing comic books, but... Uh, that can happen to anyone, no that. matter your gender. <laughs> I have listened to Grant talk on length about some of his, their drug experiences, but, uh, (laughs) animal man is, I don't know if I can say it's my favorite Grant Morrison work, but it's up there. Some of the best stuff they ever did. And 
if you've listened to the show over the years, you've picked up that Tyler and I are big old Grant Morrison fans for the most part. Uh, and then my other one is the one I was originally going to do is um, a podcast called Someplace Underneath. Okay. Underneath is under one word and then Neith, which is N E I T H, which is the name of a old Egyptian moon goddess, I think. Mm. But, uh, and it is about, it's from the last podcast network and it is about women who have gone missing. I've only listened to the first series, which is three episodes where they discuss Shelly Miscavige. Miscavige, oh. the, the wife of the head of Scientology who disappeared. Oh, yeah. That shit's insane. Yeah, that's wild shit. Um, I and, knew that name sounded familiar. And they talk about, like, yeah. you know, from, from her growing up in the Sea Org on the fucking wild ship with uh, L. Ron Hubbard mm-hmm. being his weird little... Commodore tyrant face. <laughs> God, he's such a piece of shit. Dude, Scientology is still fucked up. Oh, and she's not a good person either, but like, oh no, there's no. some inter. It's just she also didn't deserve to probably be murdered by her husband either. <laughs> she's right. probably, I mean, the, the, the opinion they come up with in this one is she's probably alive, but like, life ain't oh, good wow. for her. No, that's well, almost worse in a way. I, there's, there's been some sightings oh. that have her looking like a shell of her former self. Uh, surrounded by bodyguards that like they can't oh, confirm man. that they were seen but like anyways listen to it the first few episodes they're a little rough but I mean if you go listen to our first few episodes they're extremely rough like it's just <laughs> learning how podcasting works someone told me they were starting word balloons and I'm like just skip the first five come back to them later yeah. um, they yeah. didn't but they, that's no, fine I mean, they still some fun stuff in those first. That's episodes. why I say come back to them later. There's still some fun stuff. There's the Wolverine circumcision with come. season two. We just recorded a lot of word balloons yesterday, so it's very much on our minds. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's real good. It's real interesting. And what I liked about that one is because they're in LA, the uh, pod the main podcast host drove to the various locations they're talking about, and like you can't go mm, in, right? But she could be like, "This is what I saw. This is what I felt." which really puts the like humanity into what's happening here. You poor brainwashed kind of terrible person. So my recommendation is one that has been recommended on this podcast before, but not by me. That just means we like it. Uh, back. I think the last time Steven was on the show, uh, his recommendation was Brett Goldstein's podcast films to be buried with. I have since started listening to it myself and it is fantastic. Mm. Brett Goldstein is Roy Kent on Ted Lasso. Turns out he's a massive cinephile, has a podcast where he gets on uh, a lot of different, like, actors, directors, generally, and some just, like, comedians and, like, celebrity friends of his, but most of them are in the business in some way, to talk about their movie, their life through the movies they like. But it's kind of an awesome, weird premise where the premise of the show is they've died, and they've gone to heaven and everyone there is <laughs> watching super the into movie like. <laughs> and super into movies and asking them this question. And that seems like a really weird detail to throw in, but it does wrap back around in every episode. And it starts off every episode with like kind of a uh, like actual heavy note where they actually talk about what they think about death and like what happens when we die. And then they get in all the fun movie shit. So. Jesus Christ. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, just real quick, just because I thought about it and I need to be able to say this somewhere. Uh, I saw this meme of the way the way that you should write Batman and Superman as friends is the friendship between Ted Lasso and Roy Kent. Oh, yeah. And I just 
Yui, I will send you this show. I'm sorry. I know. I've been promised. Oh, my God. So good. So good. So good. Any recommendations for you, Yui? Um, I am going to recommend a movie I saw recently. It's apparently hard to find, so watch out. It's called The Fall. I think it was released in 2007. It has Lee Pace. He plays uh, a stuntman from like the early days. Oh, sorry, it's a 2006 film. Okay, that was like um, right after plays, Pushing Daisies. Yeah, he plays Roy Walker, who was a uh, early film stuntman, and it's set in a hospital. And he's telling stories to this uh, little girl who is a Russian immigrant who is in the hospital because her arm is broken. But it's it's a very visually stunning movie, very beautiful, and uh, I really loved it. Fun. Uh, yeah, no. Yui, thanks for we joining us. We ended up having... Oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, Yui, we ended up having to like, order the DVD just to watch it, because mm. it's really oh, hard to it's find. it's one of those. Yeah. Gotcha. It's amazing how defeated I am when something's not on streaming anymore. <laughs> just like oh god how the times oh, have changed blockbuster blockbuster doesn't exist i don't know how to do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> but yui thanks for joining us as always and leading us through yeah. this adventurous time Ugh, i was finding you a way know, to say thank that you i'm still for annoyed that you did. adventuring through the lands of Ooh with me um do you have anywhere you want to advertise yourself want people to check you out we've not been doing this every episode but uh now seems like a good time mm-hmm. Uh, you can find my art at uh, Fawn House Designs on Instagram and Facebook, and that's pretty much it right now. You should spell that real fast because you do not spell that in the English style. And uh... Uh, It's spelled F-A-U-N-H-A-U-S Designs. Yes. And next week, we will be going from a long, epic four-part series to a movie and a very weird, goofy made-for-TV one at that. Heidi will be coming back to join us, and we will be experiencing the glory and the terribleness that is the 1996 Doctor Who made-for-TV movie um, uh, that would have been a pilot for an American Doctor Who series on Fox. Yeah. It's a lot. There's ninjas. There's time travel. There's Daleks with weirdly high-pitched voices. Look, I know Paul McGann's a doctor, but I'm here for some Eric Roberts, so... Julia Roberts' brother is the master. It's, God, I'm just so happy. But that's next time. In the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And I'm Huey. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is ran on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, Also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, 
it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earvrm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.